Today on New Mexico Rising, we're going to be having a conversation with Larry Marker. Throughout the years, Mr. Marker has grown to be known as the scourge of New Mexico commies through his understanding and weaponization of common law. From his days as an oil man near Roswell to his more recent focus on holding Governor Michelle Lujan Grisham accountable, we plan on running the gamut and understanding his vision for seeing New Mexico rise. But before we get into that, there's no escaping the blatant distraction of the news cycle, and it seems like we got a doozy in New Mexico this week. We all know the kids love to talk about celebrity mishaps. Thad, wh why do you want to talk about Alec Baldwin? Well, welcome back, first and foremost. Uh, why? Because it is probably the biggest story going on in this you know, state right now, or at the very least from a distraction standpoint. So, of course, tragedy struck this week as on the set of uh, Alec Baldwin's Rust, uh, which is located kind of what's the southwest of um, Santa Fe and the at the historic. Is it a historic Bonanza Creek yeah. Ranch? You know, it's all about proximity to Zorro, probably. Yeah, definitely. Right. <laughs> Boy, Bakker's really slacking on that, name so. tags over there. Look at him. Look at that. Oh, but no. <clears throat> so apparently, uh, Mr. Baldwin. Now he can the, get him back. The actor, right who was the uh, who was the executive producer and star of the show, apparently was handed a prop gun by an assistant director on set, where he subsequently would aim it at uh, now deceased cinematographer um, and director of photography uh, Helena. Um, what is it, Helena Hutchins? And fired said prop gun, but the prop gun was not filled with blanks. It was filled with an actual projectile. Of course, uh, Miss Hutchins was uh, Hutchins was killed, and of course, uh, right next to her or behind her, it would appear was uh, director uh, Joel Souza, uh, who was uh, subsequently has been uh, released from the hospital uh, after this tragedy. But uh, she was medevaced from the scene of the Bonanza Creek Ranch, and she died of her injuries. Um, kind of a big deal only because, one, what had been going on on that set uh, prior to this has been kind of a dispute about the safety of what was going on on the production set. Um, so prior to this, hours before this, a lot of people had kind of walked off because of these safety concerns. This is according, of course, to the New York Post. But, you know, who was to believe the New York Post? You know, they they did the Hunter Biden misinformation thingy. Um, but if you're kind of saying that they posted something on Instagram that the entire uh, camera crew walked off that morning for the exact reason for why, um, you know, things went terribly, terribly wrong. Um, and they brought in for all intents and purposes, some ringers or some people off the bench. We don't know who was in charge of, of the prop, the props, but apparently uh, whoever was in charge of props handed this loaded weapon to the assistant director who subsequently handed it to Alec Baldwin, who subsequently during a rehearsal aimed, shot and killed Helena. So, and it's a big deal here in New Mexico because you look, man, we think we're, we're trying to be the next Hollywood, but there have always been rumblings, uh, apparently, of the rank and file workers here in New Mexico about how they are treated. We are a week and a half removed from um, what is uh, the International Alliance of Theatrical Stage Employees almost staging a, uh, uh, a strike 
that was subsequently averted. Um, and this is kind of dovetails with what I've been saying about the great resignation and really the crisis in expertise. Someone a complete, who was completely and utterly incompetent handed Alec Baldwin a loaded weapon, a loaded weapon. Not a he was also completely incompetent. Well, he wasn't always because here's the deal. You never aim a weapon at a person you don't intend on shooting or at the very least you check the that you check the weapon before you do that yeah it's like it doesn't Mr. matter would know this if he wasn't so anti-gun yeah. and dumb if if somebody it doesn't matter if they tell you the gun's unloaded you should have an understanding of that if you're going to pick up a firearm and you're going to point it at somebody and i don't care if it's for a movie you know he may or may not face any consequences i find it highly unlikely well he has that he will because we have a two-tier justice system and he's one of the protected class so i wouldn't expect much to come out of it again you know when it comes to new mexico it's this is just one of those stories that it's like it's really not that important let's face facts who does this affect it doesn't really affect anything right i mean we've been reaching out to some people we know to see if like maybe other productions might be adversely affected as you know i don't think so yeah, I mean, we, we we'll, we'll look yet, at this. We'll I, look I at this. Meanwhile, you know, the murder rates skyrocketing in Albuquerque. You're seeing violent crime, you know, continue to rise across. And Mayor the state. Keller is up in the polls. But, right. Yeah, but let's all continue to 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 weep. Look, I, I mean, this is this is the problem with the news cycle. That you know, I I lose my ability to have that sympathy because you just look at this stuff happen again and again and again, where they they try to direct your sympathy in certain directions. So I, I don't know. It's 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 not really working on me. Then you can go down the real conspiratorial rabbit hole. You can talk about how her husband is a lawyer representing you know one of the guys that was indicted under Durham, and you know you you watch people kind of go nuts over that. And it's this is the world we live in. It's just all frustrating. Alec Baldwin is a well, he's we just not him. a nice person. He's he's never been my. I've never been a big fan. Of Alex. I, I loved him in Hunt for Red October. I mean, that was look, years I mean, and he's, years and he's years done, ago. you know. I mean, you know, Glenn. The Bernie Shadow. Glenn he was yeah. awesome in The Shadow. Not not Glenn Bernie, Glenn Ross? Coffee I, I, I don't know. There's there's a lot of digression going on here. Okay, sorry about that. Anyway, no, um, anyway, okay. um, uh, I, but I figured I'd get some context to the story. I'm enjoying the fact that he's getting dunked on left and right um, yeah. because it couldn't have happened to a better guy. But I do feel sorry for this lady who had kids. I do feel sorry for, you know, the fact that like, you know, this is this could affect like an industry that we have basically subsidized for a better part of a decade that is actually finally bearing fruit. This could probably put a damper of a lot of what's going on there because it is an economic engine because we're destroying other industries in the process of trying to bring in Hollywood and green tech and all this other nonsense. So that's my take on it i just thought i would say that out here yeah. i would be remiss if we did not on new mexico rising talk about a very new mexico centric story but of course as once again new mexico's in the news for sucking you see this eyebrow that's my irritation level but let's <laughs> let's just go ahead and pretend that i'm cool with this and we'll bring on our guest larry <laughs> marker oh i think he just walked away so i'll have to continue to speak here for a minute no. but we'll bring him on I'm, I'm curious if he cares to comment on the woes of the hollywood of hollywood firearm safety in new mexico did you have any reaction to this i would be remiss well the only reaction i got are you ready 
Sure. The only reaction I got is is Mr. Baldwin obviously is not familiar with 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 safety. If they were using a a pistol that was was correct to be used at that time, you physically have to cock that revolver. You don't just pull the trigger, you have to pull the hammer back to fire it. So that that there tells me that there's a problem. Either he was handed a pistol that was already cocked and ready to fire or he cocked it himself. That would that would be a question I have. What do you think? I mean, I think these are all reasonable questions for a reasonable world and I just don't know how reasonable the world we live in is. Yeah, they're going to throw some underling. They'll throw the prop director of props or the assistant director. They're going to throw yeah. those guys under the bus. Um, because of the sheer negligence and the fact that a matter that there was a history or at the very least there was there was rumblings about this on social media about this particular shoot I mean I don't I'm sorry production site I should probably shoot <laughs> yeah. um, um, and, and that, there were, oh. that, that there were people who had brought this up about the safety precautions they also had some other issues besides the fact that it is in a very austere location they weren't being paid to stay in hotels nearby they weren't being paid in general so i mean I, so there's there's a lot as we kind of peel back the layers of the onion um that will kind of prove the ugliness of you know really dealing with these these institutions hollywood being one of one of the worst so i don't know i don't want to belabor it and beat it up anymore let's talk about our guest so, Mr. Marker, I mean, welcome to the show. Okay, um, now that we've kind of talked about the, uh, I don't know, the Hollywood stuff and the distraction yes. that is going on, I want to know who is Larry Marker. How'd you get that nickname, Led? Led? Well, when I was a baby, I was I was really heavy. When I was born, I was extremely heavy, and up until I was about two years old, I was I was actually I was just a, a fat kid. <laughs> And my parents said I was heavy as lead. They carried, carried my mama had to carry me around, and I was heavy as lead. You know, we, and so it, it basically just stuck. Now, you know, when I was younger, three or four, I got asthma real bad, and I got real, real little, and I got real skinny and real sickly and everything. But I'm pretty dense headed, so the name lead stuck. You know, went from from my weight to the thickness of my head. So most people call me lead when I was. You know, that's what my parents have always called me, my family. Most everybody calls me lead. You could call me whatever you want. Just don't call me late for dinner, you know. <laughs> a lot of people spell lead different than, than L-E-A-D. If, if they spell it L-E-D, then I know they're tasting music. And they're okay people, too, you know. So <laughs> it's, it's, it's kind of an odd deal. I've actually had people tell me stories about me to me, you know. They know me as Larry, and they're, they're telling me stories about a guy named Lead. So <laughs> it's, it's actually pretty interesting. I appreciate you guys having me on the show today. This is actually pretty neat. I'm, I'm really a fan of your show, so this, this works out pretty good. Well, your reputation definitely precedes itself. That was something that stuck with me. I know when there was initial conversation about you, and people would say, oh, Lead Marker. And I was like, how does a guy get a name like Lead? So it's, it's nice to know, <laughs> you know what the yeah. reality was there. I mean, talk a little bit just about your New Mexican experience. Obviously, your parents sound like characters and those around you sound like characters but um you know how do you get how do you find yourself in this realm of legal warfare you know tell us a little bit about that story you know of yourself to get to that point. well 
I think to do that, I got to go all the way back, obviously, and, and I'll I'll go quick here because I don't We've want to bore you guys. We've got time. Yeah. We like was, details. I, yeah, I was born in Hobbs, like 1963, which is a long time ago. Actually, a week before before President Kennedy was shot. That has nothing to do with me other than that's that's one thing that's always kind of bothered me. But anyway, born in 63, we were in Hobbs a few years. My dad was an electrician, worked on big construction jobs and stuff. And I grew up, you know, we moved around Clovis, Portales, ended up in Rio Doso. Then we ended up in Roswell in 72. That was the year after the Cowboys beat the Dolphins in the Super Bowl in 71. But that's a whole other story. I've, I've been a Cowboy fan my whole life. So last year was kind of troubling. I couldn't watch the Cowboys. So. But anyway, I've hated I'm the Cowboys my whole life, so that's fine. You've been a what? You've hated, hated them? The cow- yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was taught to hate them at an early age. So. I could kind of tell that by looking at you. <laughs> I, I figured. <laughs> anyway, anyway, moved to Roswell in 72. I grew up great. You know, grew up in Roswell, went to Del Norte Elementary, Brindle Middle School, graduated from Goddard High School, had great teachers, little league baseball, football coaches, had a lot of mentors in my life. My parents stayed married throughout my whole life. Dad, my best friend in the world was my dad. He died here a few years ago. Actually, today's his birthday. Oh, wow. Anyway, he died here a few years ago. Had a great relationship with my dad. One of our big things was was watching the Cowboys together, so that's really on the, on the front of my mind today. But anyway, grew up great, you know, building tree houses, going to the swimming holes, and and learning history, learning American history. I've always been real, a real fan of American history. You know, the obviously our founding fathers, the both sides in the Civil War, you know, the whole deal is just, we have a great country. We have a fantastic country. New Mexico history is real big around here. You know, we had John Chisholm, Billy the Kid, stuff like that. Hunting and fishing, riding horses. You know, I've cowboyed a little bit and, and done a lot of things. Worked on a drilling rig my last year of high school. First years out of high school, got married. The oil business at the time was, you know, oil business is really cyclical. Cyclical. Anyway, it goes in cycles. There you go. Yeah, we <laughs> know business goes in cycles. So I uh, went to work for an overhead door company here in Roswell. Started my own company a few years after that. I was in the garage door business for 15, 16 years, and I decided that I wanted to just, I wanted to be left alone. You know, I was a little sick of the, Sick of dealing with the public and stuff. And I knew enough people in the oil business and I still had my attachments there. And I started picking up little, what we call stripper wells. Those are marginally producing oil and gas wells. I started picking a few of those up. And my thoughts were is I could get up in the morning. I could get dressed. I could get my pickup or my roustabout truck or whatever. I could go to work, work my butt off, get nasty and dirty all day. Just really work my butt off, sell a few loads of crude oil, come home. And uh, just live my life and be left alone. That's all I wanted. Well, this was about 10 years ago now. And uh, first few years were pretty good. My company was growing really well. I was picking up more, you know, more wells, learning a lot. Actually, it was it was a fantastic way to make a living for the first few years. I'd grown my company. I was actually to the point I was making between 110 and 120 barrels of oil a day. I had an office staff and, you know, a couple pumpers. Had my own pulling unit, so I got to run my pulling unit. An old buddy of mine, he uh, we grew up together. He was my Derek man, and we pulled wells together. It was, it was just great. Well, then for whatever reason, I got crossways with the Bureau of Land Management and the OCD, and uh, that pretty well set me on this journey of, of where I'm at now as far as learning about the law, 
and the uh, the invasion of our of our property rights and pretty much every right we've got. So a few years there, I was arguing back and forth with the BLM, the OCD, spending a whole lot of money on lawyers. I ran out of money for lawyers in 2017, started fighting them on my own. I had to take We've actually got a group here in Roswell. We call it the law group or whatever. They study together. They're a bunch of pro se's. They learn about the law. These guys, they study a lot and they're they're very particular about how they how they do things. A guy named Hiram Hudson actually runs that law group. Anyway, those guys taught me a lot. Anyway, fighting back and forth with the OCD, had some stuff in, in court in in Santa Fe down here in Roswell. I got involved in a few legislative sessions. Well, when this Department of Health stuff hit, it didn't take me long to figure out that the playbook that the Oil Conservation Division and Commission was using to uh, basically destroy the oil and gas industry was the same playbook that the, that the Department of Health was going to use to destroy basically every other industry in the state of New Mexico, and along with it, our freedoms. That's how I got involved in the uh, in the legal part of this. A friend of mine, ironically, a friend of mine bought the entire Eddy County Law Library at an auction about 10 years ago. Hmm. Well, he, he had that in his yard down there in Artesia, and he told me he had it, so I hooked my old Mack truck to it, and I brought it, and I got it in my driveway out here out here at the house, and I spend a lot of time reading, you know, past session laws and stuff like that, so, law books. I spent a lot of time and effort learning the law, mm -hmm. and uh, I have had some, I've had some struggles, you know, to be honest with you, my... Uh, my oil and gas business is down down to just me. I'm barely making five barrels of oil a day. The price is coming back up. I'm trying to struggle to survive, and I'll probably re my plan is to rebuild my business. But I'm not going to be able to rebuild my business under the current under the current circumstances. And if you want to look at the big picture, obviously I'm a believer. I'm a believer in Jesus Christ, and I honestly believe that. Uh, the circumstances of my life and what has happened to me has led me to be where I'm at right now. Hmm. If my business was still going good and I still had a bunch of people working for me and a lot of debt and a lot of big payroll and stuff, I don't think I would be able to put the amount of time into fighting for our freedoms that I am right now. Hmm. Obviously it takes a, a whole lot of time for whatever reason, things just keep, keep seem to happen and just right, just to barely let me get by. My uh, girlfriend of 10 years decided a year ago that she wanted to go ahead and get married, which that was crazy because that's this is the brokest I've been in my entire life. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's a that's rich a good one. Poor, if they want to marry you when you're broke. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah so at least they know, right? <laughs> working too, so I mean, go figure, you know. But anyway, so we got married. Actually, it was September 25th a year ago. She's been really supportive. She's a, she's a patriot, there's no doubt. She's not quite as vocal as I am. I'm not a really a look-at-me kind of guy. I, I really don't like attention like we talked about before. You know, I'm, I'm like you guys. I just want to be left alone. Hmm. So, and, yeah, let's, so, yeah, let's get into some specifics about – because this, is, this will help us kind of uh, frame everything as to why your, your, this petition that you've been helping is so important. What specifically did BLM and the, what is it, the Office of? Uh, the OCD is the Oil Conservation Division. Oil, okay, the Oil Conservation Division, I assume, is yes, the, yes. from the state of New Mexico. What specifically did they do to really start you down this path and really start hurting your business? 
Well, in, in the, right at the end of 2015, early 2016, I picked up a real nice lease just northeast of, uh, of Loco Hills. That's down here east of Artesia. That was a lease that I've been working towards buying, you know, buying, selling, trading different wells. I was, you know, when I first got started, obviously the best properties weren't available to me. So I would buy wells that nobody else really wanted. Maybe there were some environmental issues or whatever. And I got real good at cleaning them up, getting things pumping, getting them going, either trade off those wells, trade off a part of them, and basically just build my business as, as I went on. Obviously, buying wells like that, you're going you're gonna to draw some attention because a lot of people didn't want a lot of the wells that I was buying, but I was doing extremely well. Anyway, I could pick up a couple of wells and believe it or not, you know, you can buy a well for five, ten thousand dollars Sometimes they'll give you the thing if you can bond it. And I had enough money from selling a farm that I had some pretty good bonds in place. And I was, like I said, buy, selling and trading, picking up stuff nobody really wanted. I was uh, buying wells from guys that the state was had jumped on and was really after. Then they were able to sell their worst wells to me and I was able to get them fixed get them cleaned up and either sell them back to those guys or sell them to somebody else, whatever. Anyway, I bought that, I bought a lease there northeast of Loco Hills it was called the North Square Lake. Well, I bought that in like December 18th, 2015. Well, by, <laughs> by February, by the end of February, the BLM had written me 265 incidents of noncompliance on that lease. The five years prior to that lease, they had not written a single incidence of non-compliance. And after I had to sell it to pay my regular, to pay my environmental people, my lawyers and everybody else, they haven't written a single incident of non-compliance and the company that bought it for me ended up having to file bankruptcy only because the, uh, they simply couldn't, couldn't run the lease. Anyway, that started my issues with the Bureau of Land Management. Well, immediately, immediately after that, and during the tail end of that initial what I would call onslaught of regulatory bullshit. The OCD decided that they were going to jump on me too. Well, I picked up some wells from a friend of mine in Roswell several years prior. They had me shut in a bunch of wells. It was, it was a constant drama between me and the BLM, the OCD, and then the state land office. A lot of the more radicals from the state land from the OCD were starting to migrate over into the state land office. At that time, Aubrey Dunn was the state land commissioner, mm -hmm. and he wasn't exactly the best friend that you could have for the oil and gas industry. I actually knew Aubrey from his days when he was a banker down here at First Federal in Roswell, but that's a whole other story. Anyway, so obviously, I'm not a guy that, that does well with, with people telling me what to do, especially if I think it's ridiculous. I started getting involved in the in the rulemaking hearings and the various different issues that that the OCD was putting forth. They wanted to raise financial assurance. Obviously, I was trying to, I was trying to do the best I could to uh, comply with the BLM and the OCD out in the field and stuff. But it, it came pretty evident pretty quick that they had targeted me. Well, I did the I started to learn a little bit about the law, and I uh, filed you know my typical FOIAs and the IPRAs. Well, I got one particular IPRA where they were actually, <laughs> I actually have this, mm -hmm. with what little they did provide me in the IPRA and the FOIA. Though that, that's, those are bullshit laws all by themselves. Sorry for the language. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> no, anyway, story, bro. Go those for are me. bullshit laws all by themselves. If they don't want to answer those, those things, they simply yeah. don't.
anyway, I actually got one of the emails from the BLM that the state, one of the state land office guys had sent the BLM, kind of threw them under the bus. They had actually contemplated, and they did, they made a tri-agency enforcement group, and they were going to target specific operators to change their way of, to change their attitude is basically what it said. And the only operator they named was me. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, the IPRA and the FOIA was actually really interesting. Anyway, going on down the road, the, the state made me, had me make some concessions. I had a lawyer at the time. The state had me make some concessions and shut in a bunch of wells that I had that I purchased in Chavez County to do some environmental stuff, get current on the reports, that stuff that, that Johnny was behind. Johnny was a friend of mine. He was in a pretty good wreck. I took his wells, paid him, took his wells. That wreck got over onto me, and I realized pretty quick that they had targeted Johnny, and they were pissed off that, that I had stepped in the way. Hmm. Well, the reality is, is by the time Johnny got out of the business, they had already ruined it. Mm-hmm. Johnny had a drinking problem. You know, the BLM shows up at his office one day, uh, at his house one day, scares his wife to death, so she leaves him. The, uh, you know, the, the constant certified letters, that what I call hate mail. You know, every oil and gas producer I know when he goes to the post office, used to when you go to the post office, it was an exciting time because you might get your production check in there, your gas or your oil production, whatever. You're excited. Well, the last four or five years, you don't get excited. You actually get a knot in your stomach. You get about a mile from the post office and you're going to have a knot in your stomach. Reason is, is because you don't know what kind of hate mail's in there. Hate mail is going to be incidents of noncompliance, notices of noncompliance, notices of illegal reporting, you name it, there's there's a, a, a massive amount of crap that they're coming at, at the independent oil producers with. I know guys that have basically just give their wells away and walked away, and I know other guys that just simply had to walk away. If I was smart, that's probably what I would what I would done, but unfortunately, I don't, I don't know if I hit my head when I was younger or whatever. I never learned to run. That that's a problem. Well, I that's guess. the lead thing, probably. Yeah, that's that's like the lead, lead thing. thing. Exactly. Yeah, you know. Yeah, no, I anyway, mean, it's something about being hard-headed, man. That, uh... Exactly. I don't, <laughs> I, don't look, I don't think less of them guys for walking away or having to get because that's simply where they were. Mm-hmm. I saw Johnny basically drink himself to death. In reality, between the BLM and the OCD, they actually put Johnny in his grave. He and I'm. I'm always going to be a little bit upset about that. You know, yeah, maybe he was weak because, you know, he had a, a drinking problem. I don't know about that. I, we'll talk about that when I go to heaven, I guess, with him. But uh, literally, they destroyed that guy's life. Yeah. Anyway, at that same time, I had made a deal to shut those wells in. Well, the state had me shut the wells in. Well, the BLM, some of those wells were on federal land. Two months after I shut them in, the BLM sends me a letter that they're going to find me for shutting the wells in. I said, well, guys, I just sent them an email. Hey, Ruben, you know, these are the wells that I went to Santa Fe. They had me agree to shut in. We came down, had a meeting with you guys. We all agreed I would shut the wells in until I got all the Johnny's reporting done. Did some environmental stuff, plugged a couple of various different things. Anyway, didn't hear anything. Well, about a month later, I get a fine for $920,000. <laughs> <laughs> I 
And, and I laughed. I honestly laughed. Well, so I set up a meeting with the, uh, with the BLM here in Roswell, went through the whole appeal process, come to find out they had miscalculated the math and the law, the, the uh, fine should have only been 256000 for shutting in two wells that the state told me to oh, shut, in. shut in. What? Well, the problem is the state denied telling me to shut them in. What? So I got a statement from the lawyer I had at the time. Everybody knew that the agreement was I was going to shut the wells in. Well, it didn't matter. I went through the appeals process, had to go all the way to the appeals process in Alexandria, Virginia. I mean, a lot of time and effort. When you get involved with the federal government, it's a wreck. Mm -hmm. And you guys know, and you've dealt with enough, you've probably dealt with enough people that deal with regulatory agencies. It's not the fine that kills you. It's the it's the money that you have to spend fighting those bastards. Yeah, you yeah. know they they know as soon as they jump on you, most people have to go hire a lawyer. Yeah, as soon as you hire a lawyer, you're basically headed for bankruptcy. I promise you, mm -hmm. they will string this out and string this out and string this out. Anyway, here about two here about a year and a half, two years ago, I actually filed a lawsuit against the Bureau of Land Management, the State Land Office and the oil conservation division in federal court. Well, I'm still struggling with that deal. That that's tough. The federal court system is rough and especially on a pro se, it's, it's a lot to keep up with. In the meantime, I'm fighting some of the regulations and some of the stuff that the state legislature put forth in the oil and gas industry. I sued the uh, state legislature and the OCD for log rolling a bill. The first year of, of Wuhan Grisham's, uh, administration, if that's what you want to call it, her reign, whatever the hell this is, she is. We anyway, like the, the word regime around here. It, yeah, we tend to, and I also like the slip of the tongue of Wuhan, Grisham. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the first year, the first year of Wuhan's reign of terror, the, the in the legislative session, obviously we still had John Arthur Smith and some of the more moderate Democrats. Well, that year. At, during that legislative session, anyway, they, they got voted out. But anyway, that year, they had put forth the bill, the, OC, the OCC and the environmentalists and the OCD. O, OCC is the Oil Conservation Commission. The OCD is the Oil Conservation Division. For a little bit of background on that deal, this is how, law, this is how rulemaking works in New Mexico. If the OCD wants a new regulation passed, they petition the OCC. Well, the OCC is made up of a person from the state land office, the head of the OCD, and then somebody else from that, that technical college or whatever. So the OCD petitions the OCC to make a regulation. And then they have a rulemaking hearing. Well, the first rulemaking hearing I went to was actually a year prior to that was on the increase in financial assurance. Well, obviously, there was a lot going in targeting me at the time, and I didn't know it. I'm kind of dumbass out. You know, I heard that they were going to have this rulemaking hearing, and they were going to increase the financial assurance, increase financial assurance, a bond required to be an operator, what that is, right. from $50,000 to $250,000. And I'm thinking, well, damn, that's going to clean out part of my business because buying, selling, and trading is a big part of my business. And in this business, if a young guy wants to get in the business or somebody wants to get back into it or whatever, he picks up a couple of wells. They may not be making a lot, but he puts his money down for a bond. 
and goes and borrows it, does whatever he has to do to get bonded. He gets into business and then he learns with those little stripper wells, you know, them little crappy wells. He works hard. If it's something that he wants to do, then he expands his business and grows and sells those to the next guy that wants to get started in the business. Yeah. Obviously, it's not a perfect system, but it worked good for a long, long time. And it taught a lot of people about stripper wells, how to make them produce. You know, you're pulling little shallow wells. I've had wells as shallow as 475 foot. Anyway, I was buying and selling, trading a lot of these wells off. And so when they increased the bonds, obviously it was going to hurt my business. And I, it didn't take me long to figure out or to come up to come to the conclusion that they were targeting the small independent producers. <coughs> are, they doing, are they doing this at the behest of larger producers or are they just doing it because they are just they have they hot against this. oil and gas they came up they came up with this idea and and what i would call the medium size or the larger producers you guys are actually pretty smart <laughs> <laughs> anyway we have moments anyway the larger oil producers decided it would be okay to abuse the hell out of the in, the small independents yeah obviously they supported it yeah. There, there was some shenanigans went on, but we're, we're you know, we're not going to make accusations and stuff towards some of the, the larger companies right now. But I will tell you that, that, that they're now getting their asses handed to them and they're not real happy. Yeah. And oh, they don't yeah, know yeah. how to handle it. Hell, some of them call me for advice now. Say so Wuhan Grisham basically changed the terms of the deal and they are probably going to have to go on bended knee back to Santa Fe to pray exactly. farther, right? You're exactly right. Not, not that I'm getting enjoyment out of their struggles. I mean, they signed a deal with the devil. What goes around comes around. You know, the Bible says you reap what you sow. I always say, you know, if you plant a turd, you're going to grow a turd. Yes. That's the way it is. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, anyway, so I walk into the rulemaking hearing with a couple of the, the independent oil producers from down here, walk into the hearing and the, the rulemaking hearing, and most of those people in Santa Fe had actually never met an independent oil producer. I mean, we're like this weird li bunch of little guys down in <laughs> southeastern New Mexico that damn sure don't want to yeah. go to Santa Fe. You know? That's Santa Fe for you. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I walk in there, and a, and a couple of those people knew me, and there was a lot of whispering and pointing and stuff, and I was kind of uncomfortable about it. You know, I thought, like, I had a booger hanging, you know, or I'd pee my pants or whatever. But anyway, I sat down, and we have a we have – this was going to be a two-day rulemaking hearing. Well, we sat down there, and I'm, I know I'm kind of rambling a little bit, but all this is critical. Yeah, let's anyway, we, ramble so on. we have our hearing. We have our hearing, and I get to testify, and the IPA and M testifies, and everybody's excited and saying, you know what? We did pretty good. They're going to back off these rules. They're going to have categories where it really doesn't destroy the small independents. And I said, man, that would be great because this, and I told people at the meeting, after the meeting and prior to the meeting, that this is the first step of destroying the independent oil producers, the small independent guys. Anyway, so we leave, we're all high five and thinking we did real good and everything. We get back to Roswell the next day, they have a whole nother hearing. Uh, no. Yeah. <laughs> they have a whole nother hearing, bring up their own, you know, Another expert testimony, the whole violated every rule, every rulemaking hearing rule you could possibly have. But anyway, I heard about this and obviously they handed us our ass, you know. So, you know me, I'm I'm not 
I'm okay. I'm hard headed. We know that. <laughs> anyway, so by rule, you have you can't by rule when you challenge a rulemaking hearing of the OCD, you don't go to district courts. You go to the court of appeals. Well, the court of appeals in New Mexico, I have learned, is in reality the court of the abyss. Ugh. I mean, so you're yeah, it does guess. seem that way from what we, we, hear we have heard that from numerous anybody. guests. Yeah, who it, have done it's, litigation. it's the court of the abyss. Anyway, a couple of years, actually a year prior, they changed the rule where you had to go to the court of appeals. Well, a dumbass like me, obviously, is going to have to learn a lot to be able to appeal something. You know, you got your docketing statements, you got specific rules. They're very particular about the rules of procedure and which is good in, in a way they, they did force me to, to really learn a lot and really buckle down. Well, in the meantime, I'm fighting another case. Johnny, the guy that drank himself to death, his ex-wife, he owed her money. So she went and got a lawyer and I'm fighting this guy on one hand. I'm fighting the state of New Mexico on the other and I'm fighting the BLM on the other. But anyway, as far as the court of appeals go, I figured out how to do a proper docketing statement, got it filed got it filed in time, and I actually appealed this final order of the Oil Conservation Commission because they violated the rules. I thought that everybody had to go by the rules. Hmm. I, I don't know why I thought that, but <laughs> I thought everybody had to go by the rules. So anyway, I'm fighting the, the rules of financial assurance, and I decided, you know what? There, I'm going to have to get involved in the legislative session or at least go to some of those and see what's going on next year. Well, next year, actually, one of the representatives, I think his name's Strickler, I forget his name, really good guy. He's actually still a representative. He's from northern mm -hmm. New Mexico. Yeah. He had introduced a bill, and he needed somebody that he needed a stripper weller. That's what marginal well guys are called. He needed a stripper weller that actually would talk in, in front of people or talk in a committee hearing and testify. So I went up there and I was testifying for him on a bill that he introduced. We got our asses handed to us on that one too, but that's another story. But anyway, so while I'm up there, a buddy of mine from down here called me and said, Hey, lad, he said, if you're in Santa Fe, first thing, I'm sorry. <laughs> the other thing is, is, uh, is there's a bill that's being introduced. It's called the uh, penalties and violations. I said, oh, shit. That's not good anyway. So I did some research and I found out the penalties and violations. What they were trying to do was completely overhaul the penalties and violation process and procedures, plus the amount of penalties that they could inflict on the oil and gas producers. This was a big deal. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so I, I do a little, I do a little research. I find out the hearings, you know, and I'm learning how that process works and I'm standing up testifying against these, these new regulations and these new process, basically what, what this did is this gave the oil conservation division unlimited authority to pretty much do whatever the hell they wanted up to a $250,000 fine. An environmental fine is $10,000 a day for every day of violation, a regular fine. Like if you don't have your name on a sign or if your road's not proper or whatever, then that fine's only $5,000 a day. Uh, every day of violation and every day of violation is a new, is a new cause of action. So it, it doesn't take very long to figure out it's going to be pretty easy for them to do away with the independent yeah. oil and gas producers. Well, I saw this as a pretext to methane venting and flaring rules. Mm -hmm. And that, I turned out to be proper, but let's go back to this. 
anyway, so I testified against this. You know, this is a you know this is onerous. These regulations. You're given unlimited authority to an administrative agency, which is unconstitutional. Legislature cannot grant unlimited authority to a to 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 an administrative agency, and especially the OCD. Anyway, argued back and forth. Anyway, that that bill ended up dying in a guy in John Arthur Smith's committee. I sat there. He was opposed to it. It gave way too much authority to, to a regulatory agency. Anyway, that bill died. The penalties and violation bills, which, you know, it died. I'm all happy. Mm-hmm. I come out of the committee hearing. I'm excited. I asked that lobbyist dude that works for the IP, IPAM. I said, what does this mean? Is this bill built dead? And he said, yeah, it is. And he shook my hand. He said, I'll buy you a cup of coffee. I appreciate your help on this deal. Anyway, I look up and I see some people from the NMOGA and a couple of the bigger oil companies down there. And they're looking at me kind of funny. I'm used to people looking at me kind of funny because I'm really kind of ugly. Or they, they like my cool mustache. I don't know. It's, it's the mustache. It is. Yeah. It is, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, they're looking at me kind of funny. Anyway, me and Winchester, we go down there. He's the IPNM guy. He's, he's a good guy. He's, he's a good dude. Anyway, he's a lobbyist, but anyway, he's a good dude. <laughs> anyway, we go down there. He buys me a cup of coffee. We talk about things. We shake hands, and I drive home. I get home, and as as is my my tradition, when I come home from San, I live ten miles north of Roswell, so I can come straight into my house. I can get out of my pickup. I can come in the house. I can take a shower, and then I can then I feel clean. I, yeah, I wash that filth off of you. Shower yeah, when no, I come man. home from Santa Fe. <laughs> Understood. Understood. That's the nastiest place on the planet that I've ever been. And I'm a guy that has, you know, makes a living in a pretty dirty business. Sure. But anyway, I come home when my phone rings. I'm sitting on the back porch, drinking a cup of coffee, kind of celebrating, you know, to myself a little bit. It's about 530 in the afternoon. And uh, and uh, Winchester tell me, Celeste, I don't know what happened, but they uh, they took all the provisions out of that failed Senate bill. And added it to House Bill, added to to the Produce Water Act. I said, well, the Produce Water Act had already passed one chamber of the of the Senate or one chamber of Congress. It had already been voted in the House of Representatives or whatever. He said that didn't stop them. They added all the provisions out of that bill that died. They added it to the Produce to the Produce Water Act. Jesus. I said, well, are they going to have a hearing on that? He said, no, they're going to vote on it here in about thirty minutes. What the they log rolled all that shit into that into the produced water. The produced water act was a bill that says you can use produced water, which is dirty salt water, mm-hmm. to get out of the ground when you produce oil and gas. You separate it from the oil. You can use that water to frack wells with, which is really neat. Everybody wanted to be able to use produced water to frack wells instead of using up fresh water. Yeah, fresh water is expensive. Makes too. sense. Yes, exactly. And that was that sucker passed unanimously. Nobody could argue that one. Anyway, so they took all the guts out of this dead bill and put them into that and got them passed unanimously. Well, obviously, that didn't sell, set well with me, and I'm kind of pissed off. And so now I understood the funny looks and everything from yeah. the from the, the medium and bigger producers and the NMOGA people and, and all that. Anyway, so I start studying. Obviously, well, that's called log rolling. And in New Mexico, that's illegal. Every bill that's passed is a single law, which is a single subject. So, so guess what I did? <laughs> that goes back to that rule thing. But anyways, continue. Yeah. 
<laughs> anyway, so I this was legislation that was passed illegally, so I filed a lawsuit down here in the 5th Judicial District Court. Well, that they had illegally passed that, and in New Mexico, if part of a bill or part of a law is illegal, you can have that part severed as long as the rest of it can still work. Sure. Obviously, the Produce Water Act would not be affected if you took the illegal shit out of it. And part of the part of the illegal shit is they wanted to make a website that would that would tell everybody who the who the violators are of the environmental rules, you know, that that kind of shit. Yeah. That's actually a law in New Mexico. But anyway, yeah, something very, very important. Sure. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We got it. Well, we got a pin yeah. New Mexico. Gotta shame. We have to shame the uh the yeah the, they, the they, try to make, they try to make you a bad actor. That's the word yeah. they use. Bad actor. Yeah. And that I've learned that that's the left's deal. The left's whole deal is if they make whoever they're after a bad actor, then whatever they do is okay because then the the end justifies the means because they're bad actors. Yeah. There's a very current joke that can be made there, but I won't make it. I think. Okay. It <laughs> yeah, yeah. That would be current, wouldn't it? Anyway, you guys ought to have a show together. <laughs> we try. <I> imagine. <laughs> anyway. Anyway, so I sued the, the legislature and the oil conservation division to have those removed from, from that law, from the Produce Water Act. Well, Marathon Oil actually joined the state side. Anyway, mm. we argued back and forth in court. You know, the courts tried to toss me out, you know, the other side doing the normal 12B6, failure to state a claim, all the stupid shit that the state does trying to get you tossed out when you're a pro se. And I listen, go to the hearings. It's a lot of work because they they figure if they really make a rush at a pro se, he's going to shit down both legs and run the mm -hmm. other way. Unfortunately, back to the hard-headed thing. Yeah. But anyway, uh, finally finally get to our final hearing. The state's got five lawyers over there. My dumb ass is sitting there all by myself. And had a hearing. Some of the stripper wellers from down there. And I handed them their ass. I literally Good. beat their ass. By the by the end of that hearing, Marathon's lawyer was even telling the judge, well, judge, it looks as though Mr. Marker's correct. We can remove the parts that were illegal. She even said this in the hearing. The parts that, that were illegally added to the bill, and we can leave the Produce Water Act alone, which is what Marathon always wanted to do. Anyway, then the state's lawyer gets up, and he kind of mumbles some shit. And he sits back down and, and the hearing's over and everything's great, you know, and I'm thinking, all right, I finally might actually win something, you know. And, you know, of course, I get to loosen my tie because when I got to go to court, I have to wear ties. Sure. Yeah. And this was back before we did Zoom, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Anyway, everything's he leaves safe. there and everybody's happy and feeling good. Well, it took the judge 11 months to make a ruling. What? Yeah. <laughs> Eleven months. You know who? You know who else we've heard this from? Um, you were talking about Aubrey here. We heard this from Blair Dunn in the past, where yeah. they will. You can submit a motion, and they won't. A judge may not move on it. They just sit on months. it. They'll just sit on it. Yeah, and that's well, we're how gonna they talk about that again here in a minute on the on the citizens' yeah. petition for grand jury. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway, it took him 11 months, and I mean, I, I and I'm not exaggerating. I handed them their ass a, 
one of the lawyers for the Oil Conservation Commission, we actually get along pretty well. <laughs> and in a conversation afterwards, he said, you know, he said, this is going to upset a lot of people. He said, our lawyer, the state typically, once you get past a certain point, the state will typically hire outside counsel. We've studied this too. Yes. Yeah, that, that's kind of weird. But or anyway, friends of theirs they went to law school with. Yeah. And then also that keeps somebody else from hiring them to go against them. But that's a whole nother story, too. I've learned that one. Yeah. Anyway, so I'm thinking eventually I'm going to get a ruling and, and we're going to go back to the this same the log rolling wasn't argued in the past, but the, the penalties and violations were a case called Marbob versus New Mexico State. Well, Marbob won. That was Johnny Gray and Matt Chase back in the day. That was back when oil guys, you know, they were they were what you, you would expect yeah. an oil guy to be. I don't know what the hell they are now, but that's a whole other subject. Too. Sure. Anyway, so the judge comes back and he gives me some bullshit ruling, you know, blah, blah, declaratory judgment. Well, it wasn't a declare. It was it was a declaratory judgment action and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, so I appealed it. He handed me my ass. I'm pretty pissed off, you know, because I knew I'd, I'd won that deal. Anyway, so I appealed it and it's been over a year since I appealed it. And I, they finally got it calendared, and I provided my briefing chief last week. I had my briefing chief was due last week, so I'm expecting a, a ruling on that in the next six months. But this one, I'm confident enough, I'll take to the Supreme Court. I'm not sure why, but I, if I don't win in the Court of Appeals, I'll take it to the Supreme Court. I'm confident enough in this. But in New Mexico, you know, like I said, by law, if you have one law, it can own a bill can only have one law as a subject. You can't start mixing and matching shit. Now, the guys in Santa Fe tell me, well, we do that all the time. That's just how it's done. I really don't give a shit how it's done. Yeah, like it's, uh, yeah. fantastic. Yeah, exactly. So is there is there a stay on this law now? So is it is it being enforced, I guess, is my question. Well, it's actually being enforced. It's See, that's, the, that's enforced, the thing that drives me insane. Which is going to be kind of cool because when I finally win this, they're going to have to go back. There's no mechanism in the state of New Mexico to refund a, a penalty that's been that's been collected. So I don't know what the hell they're going to do. Wow. Anyway, as far on one of my appeals on the appeal, the appeal on the financial assurance where they had a whole nother hearing the next day and didn't tell anybody they were actually going to have a hearing. The Court of Appeals actually ruled in favor of of the OCD on that one, which we could go on for hours, but anyway, yeah. we won't. Anyway, so let's go. Let's go here. So that was that's some of my experience in dealing with the state of New Mexico. Well, here about just a, a little and bit and of half, experience. Yeah, just a, just a tad. Yeah, just a tad. yeah. Here a couple of years ago, when when Wuhan started her public health orders and the COVID and all this, it didn't take me long to figure out that the same playbook that the OCC was using. Mm -hmm is now in play except now it's on a much grander scale yeah what they were what they were doing and have been doing and are still doing to the oil and gas industry is very small compared to what they're doing to the entire state of new mexico and every person in it absolutely anyway knowing a little bit about the constitution like i said i've always been a history buff i filed a uh a petition for declaratory judgment in district one in Santa Fe. Like I said, I'm not a look at me, look at me kind of guy. 
I'm not big on 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 attention. Mm-hmm. Absolutely don't like talking on the radio. Uh, being on camera kind of makes me nervous and stuff. <laughs> and I just I, I I'm just one of them guys. I just want to be left the hell alone. You know, live and let live. You know, leave me alone. You know, I'll leave you alone. All that all that stuff. You yeah. know, we, we all it's an American thing. That's just how we roll. Anyway, so. I figure, well, the, the way to do this would be file it in Santa Fe in District 1. I'd been in front of a Judge Beachite up there, and he was he seemed pretty cool. Anyway, I when you're challenging the constitutionality of, of a law, you either challenge it on its face or as applied. Mm-hmm. If it's on its face, I call it the, the green eggs and ham argument. If it's if it's unconstitutional on its face it means it's unconstitutional now tonight tomorrow forever the way it's written that law is unconstitutional now if you take a law that's written constitutionally or within the guides of constitution and you apply it in a different way and as applied then it's unconstitutional as applied yeah well the first case I filed against the uh, the Department of Health, I filed it against the Department of Health in Santa Fe, and I filed this case. I kind of thought I might have some trouble. I was just it's a strategy thing, so I just did I did a lawsuit or filed a lawsuit that on their face certain provisions of the Public Health Emergency Response Act and and actually certain provisions of the Public Health Act itself are unconstitutional on their face. We're not going to go into the particulars, but they are. Sure. Anyway, because it gets into search and seizure and all kinds of cool stuff. New Mexico has one of the best written constitutions in the entire country. We've actually heard that We just haven't, we haven't utilized it. That's the problem. It was written by common people for common people. And the biggest, the biggest thing I like about it is it was made to give the minorities a voice. I don't mean minorities in color or race mm-hmm. or whatever. I mean the minority in numbers because New Mexico has always been out of balance, either in population, you know, back in the early days, the Spanish, you know, the Spanish were real, had a lot of power, Spanish land grants, yeah. things like that. So, you know, the authority of, of the, the smaller numbers of New Mexicans have always, have always, you know, been susceptible to being, to being ruled or overruled by just a massive, same thing we have now. But anyway, so I filed that in district one, you know, had a hearing, the state goes and they, they immediately hire a lawyer. I go to court, uh, pretty good lawyer. I've been against him before go to court. Judge was pretty cool. The first couple of hearings. Well, then he told me I didn't have standing. I said, well, judge in New Mexico, it's another thing that's odd about New Mexico or unique. I should say in New Mexico, if it's a matter of great public importance, the district judge has discretion to grant you standing because it's a matter of great public importance. There's yeah. no debate about that. That's one of the special things, unique things about New Mexico. Anyway, I said, well, judge, I said, yeah, these, these are unconstitutional on their face, but this is a matter of great public importance. So even though I'm not showing an injury right now, which is what you have to do on a, on a even though I'm not showing an injury, it is a matter of great public importance. So I have standing in a cited case law and, you know, you do all that crap. Anyway, he tossed it out anyway. He's mm-hmm. wanted to dismiss it. I don't, I don't feel that this reaches that bar, however he said it, which 
you and I both know that that's bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so he's we're sitting there and he said, and he tells the other lawyer, Hey, I need you to type me up an order. This is what they do. Type me up an order. And I want and then he said, and I want it to show that it's dismissed with prejudice. Hmm. Mm-hmm. I said, Judge, you can't dismiss, of course, me, you know, speaking up out of turn. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Which I'll do. Hey. I said, Judge, you can't dismiss this without prejudice because you did not hear the merits of the case. I said, Judge, you you know me well enough to know that I'm going to come back. I'm going to retool my complaint. I'm going to provide some as applied as applied claims, and I'm going to come back. Yeah. He said, Well, I'm dismissing it with prejudice. You can go to the court of appeals. And I said, Judge, and we went on to that. I said, Go ahead, Judge, do whatever. I kind of thought that might happen. So what I did is I came back to Roswell. Knew, knew what was going on with with prejudice. I knew I wouldn't be able to pursue that same claim. I would be precluded. There's preclusion, there's issue preclusion, and there's another word, issue and subject preclusion. But anyway, so I come to Roswell, I retool my complaint, and by then, she had basically quarantined the entire state of New Mexico in, in her perpetual perpetual renewal of the public health emergency, which is illegal, by the way, and that's part of part of the citizens petition for grand jury too. Yeah. So I challenged, I had some as applied and some facial complaints. I filed it in this court, except I filed it against the second, uh, I'm sorry. I filed it against the governor and the, the secretary of the department of health. I didn't file it against the department of health. Well, the secretary and the, the secretary of the department of health and the governor, they're the ones responsible for making these mandates. Yeah. They get together and they make them. And and anyway, so I filed it, had a couple of hearings, kind of the same thing. The courts, yeah, blah, blah, blah. Other side files a 12B6. Well, then the judge, the other side says, well, he's precluded from bringing this. He brought the same claims in District 5 and they were dismissed with prejudice. Well, after that got dismissed with prejudice, I had filed a complaint or a, a petition for a writ of superintending control with the Supreme Court to tell the judge that he screwed up, that he couldn't dismiss that with prejudice. Well, in the meantime, the Supreme Court, well, the Supreme Court decided that they didn't want to be bothered with it. And then also we 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 held off on any more hearings because the legislature was supposed to do something to get a handle on her her emergency authority. So we all decided to wait till after the last legislative session. Well, as you guys know, that bunch of jackasses in Santa Fe didn't do anything to limit her emergency authority. So when that deal's over, then the judge sends me a letter. He dismisses the case because I'm precluded from bringing it because that one had been dismissed uh, with prejudice. And effectively, the governor and the secretary of health are kind of sort of the same as the Department of Health. Anyway, so I start studying, and and this this is where we're finally going to get here. I know I took the long way around. Oh, no, the long way is good. Okay, so I start researching some of the restaurant cases and some of the other cases, actually some of the cases that that Gallegos, the senator, had filed, and they had been dismissed for similar crap, standing, procedural shit, whatever. So I said, well, how in the hell can we hold these cases in court long enough for the merits of the case to be heard? So I stumbled across a citizen's petition for grand jury. A citizen's petition for grand jury, there's only 
uh, I think six states, five or six states that allow this. And the way I say it in my study sheet, I said the people of the state of New Mexico reserve for themselves the ability to petition the district court to convene a grand jury. This is an Article 2, Section 14 of the New Mexico Constitution. Article 2 is the Bill of Rights, by the way. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so basically what the citizens petition for grand jury does is telling it's telling the district court in each county and the way the way the statute the, the way the constitutional provisions written and then also what limited case law there is and attorney general opinions that this is a county by county cause of action so i don't have to worry about standing because the citizens of that county gave this issue standing not so much me but they give this issue standing mm. we don't give a rat's ass what the what the judge says as far as standing or nothing else, because that is no longer an argument mm -hmm. because the citizens of that County are telling the, the, the court, you need to convene a grand jury. Now there is some discretion involved. As far as the judge goes, there's three things that the judge can look at are the signatures on the petition. You have to have 2%. The number of 2% of the registered voters of that County have to sign this, the citizens petition. Now, if you have less than 10,000 registered voters, you still have to have 200 signatures. Yeah. Like, like Roosevelt County had to have like 212 or something. Sure. Anyway, so the judge, the judge has the discretion if he wants the county clerk to verify the signatures, and we've already done that twice, two, two of the ones we've already filed, they've, they've gotten the signatures verified. The judge has discretion. Do I want to get these signatures verified by the county clerk? The other is did these invasion or these alleged invasion of, of rights that, that markers claiming or the citizens are claiming did that happen within the geographic boundaries of the County? Obviously they did. Uh, and then the other is, are the scope of the specific claims within the scope of a citizen's petition investigation? Those are the only three things. Mm -hmm. Now, obviously, Obviously, the verification is not going to be a problem. People have no problem signing it. The only danger we have when we're collecting signatures is getting our fingers broke with people grabbing the pen or the pencil out of our hands. <laughs> and the damn thing. Sure. <laughs> and then obviously, all 33 counties, when, when you take into account that legitimately, when the, when, and this is actually a fact, and, I, and I'll, I'll be able to prove it in court, Legitimately, if you look at the definitions, when you're when you're arguing the constitutionality or the validity of, of a set of statutes, an act or whatever, you look at the definitions in that are provided in that act. Typically, when you pass a set of laws like the Public Health Emergency Response Act, it'll have a it'll have a, a place in there for definitions mm -hmm. for specific mm -hmm. definitions for for specific parts of that. When you're arguing that, you use that definition in your arguments or, you know, that's, that's just the way it is. Yes. That's part of statutory construction. Statutory construction and constitutional provision construction, the rules are the same. The same principles apply, okay? Mm -hmm. Yes. Anyway, uh, not, not to get too far off into the weeds there, <laughs> but anyway, a citizen's petition for grand jury is telling the judge to convene a grand jury to investigate the governor. My, my initial claims are within misfeasance, malfeasance, and violation of oath of office. 
Okay. Those, those are the specific, that is the scope of a, of a citizen's petition for grand jury, which is also the scope of our clients. Now, when I get enough signatures and we, we have in five of them, and I got three more to do this week or next week, when I go file that, we get the case number. I have to file this. I have to have a sponsor in each individual county, a person that lives in that county. Mm-hmm. And then I'm listed on the, on the, on the petition as a witness because nobody really knows what the hell this process is or how to pursue it. And with me listed as the witness, when the judge convenes a grand jury, he calls the district attorney and says, Hey, I've convened a grand jury. Well, at that point, the district attorney is the people's lawyer. Obviously the district attorney is the people's lawyer anyway. Anyway, then, then she or he pursues it as the prosecutor to investigate this against, in this case, the governor. Is this in each county or is this just in each county? There's 33 counties in the state of New Mexico. And the way really, the really cool, the really, really cool part of this is there's a lot of really cool parts, but (laughs) this is a county by county cause of action. Okay. Potentially we're going to have 33 separate investigations, investigations against the governor. Now there's 13 judicial districts like district five here, the one I'm in, Chavez City, <clears throat> Lee County, that's District 5. Mm-hmm. We filed the citizen's petition for grand jury. I left here on a Friday morning, drove to Lovington. That's the county seat in, in in Lee County. We filed it there. That was Senator Gallegos. He he called me about a week after I started pursuing this and, and, and got the word out. He called me, and he was interested in, in sponsoring one of the petitions. I said, well, you know, Senator, I said, we don't want this to be a political thing. Yeah. This isn't about Republicans, Democrats, Independents, Libertarians. This is the citizens of the state of New Mexico utilizing what, what the framers of the Constitution actually reserve. This is one of our rights. And the way our Constitution works, and you guys know this better than anybody else, we consent to be governed. As, as Americans, we consent to be governed. Mm-hmm. Now, the consent that we give our legislators and the governor and the, and the judicial system the, that consent is spelled out in the Constitution. If they mm-hmm. go outside of that, then obviously they're going beyond our consent. Anyway, we didn't want to make it a political thing, but he said this isn't a political thing. He said, I'm one of the few people that's been kicked out of court as much as you have. And he's yeah, right. He, I mean, he legitimately, yeah. he's right. So anyway, he was a sponsor, a lady named Gretchen Cother. She's his like go-to gal there in Hobbs. I mean, she she's a ball of fire. That this is a work one of the workingest people I ever met in my life. She actually is the one that was responsible for gathering up the signatures and stuff in Lee County. Well, I filed it there in Lee County. I drove to Eddy County, and a lady uh, a lady named Stacy Turner was our sponsor there. She had gotten most of the signatures in about a week at the county fair there in Eddy County, and then I drove there. We filed the citizens' petition there, and then I came came back to Roswell. And by the time I got back to Roswell, we have a group in Roswell. They're really strong here in Roswell and they're actually getting strong all over the state. It's called the Concerned Citizens for New Mexico. Mm-hmm. Stacy Walkowitz is the organizer, a guy named Jesse James Gomez. He's a friend of mine also. He's also involved on that. He's kind of the, I guess he's the, the thunder, I guess Stacy and him are thunder and lightning, you know, <laughs> that works out. But anyway, they had gathered up most of the signatures here in Chavez County. So, when I go to Eddy County and file it, it took us about two hours because nobody knew how the hell to do it. <laughs> by the time I get to Eddy County, 
they're they're kind of confused, but they knew a little bit more because they've been talking to each other. Sure. By the time I get to Roswell, they'd realize what kind of a mess we had made. <laughs> and I, I happen to know the court clerk is a great dude. He's actually a top of the line guy. One thing I will say about the about the clerk's offices and our judicial system, they're a class bunch of people. Sure. I mean, these people, they know their stuff. But this, you know, kind of kind of threw them a little bit of a curveball because <laughs> this has never been done on a statewide basis. Anyway, so we got it all straightened out. I filed the one in Roswell and everything's great. Well, so that was like September 3rd. Well, the next week, I go file one in Roosevelt County. If we have time, I'll tell you the story about the we one in Roosevelt time. County. That, you want to hear the, about the Roosevelt County Patriots? You keep rolling, man. Like, you okay, run this whole so, show, so I'm not going to, you know. I'm yeah, learning no, man, here. Because I'm here this, to learn. Yeah, I'm here yeah. to learn as well, right? <laughs> I mean, we all I say, we only got like a hints of this when we had Christina Arnold on. We now we're getting into the guts and the yeah. and the actual logistics and like like the procedure of what you what you guys are going through to like to get this done. So yes, the story will be very illustrative. Okay, so I, I had it I had it filed with the help of the sponsors in each county. Obviously, I could sponsor the one in Chavez County. I've always got to be careful because I'm not a lawyer and I don't want to get well they're eventually going to do that. There'll be a charge of practicing law without a license, but you can tell how much I care. But anyway, <laughs> anyway, anyway, what I, what I did while well, I was sitting here on Sunday, I'm making up some more petitions. I'm having people call and everything. This is kind of getting out there and I'm pretty excited about it. And this is legitimately a citizen's petition. This is the citizens of the state of New Mexico saying, you know what? My God, we, we can do this. Well, I'm sitting here on a Sunday and I'm studying and working. You know, as, as you can tell, you know, I type real slow, one finger and I'm typing, I'm studying. Well, my phone rings and there's a real quiet voice on the other side. And it's a lady named Shawnee Standerford. She's actually the brother of the of the school board guy that got fired employed, but that's another story. Okay. <laughs> I didn't know that at the time. Anyway, she this real quiet voice says, Is this Larry Marker? And I said, Yes, ma'am. And she said, I'm, and she started asking me about a citizen's thing, this, that, and the other. And I said, are you talking about the citizen's petition for grand jury? And she says, yes, that's it. And I explained the process to her and she gets kind of quiet. And then she starts trying to talk and she's getting kind of emotional, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, I said, well, Ms. Standifer, I said, uh, did, were you interested in being involved in this? And she said, can I? I said, well, yes, ma'am. I said, I need a sponsor in Roosevelt County. I just need your address. I would, you know, in Roosevelt County, you should be okay. So we could use your home address. Some counties won't let them use their home address huh. for obvious reasons. Sure. I use my home address, but that's another reason. <laughs> Hell, you know. Another story there. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I don't mind that where I live. Anyway, so she's getting kind of emotional and she's talking a little louder. She got a little, little more at ease, you know, she's a small town gal, you know, and I'm a stranger and all this. And anyway, she says, uh, we could do that. I said, yes, ma'am. I said, I just need your address and this, that, and the other. And, and if you want to be the sponsor, I'll, I'll get you the paperwork. I've got a study sheet, you know, and, and you can learn about it. And if it's something you want to do, you know, you, Man, we'll go for it. And then, then she starts, I could kind of tell she was really emotional by now. She says, we've got a group down here. It's called the Roosevelt County Patriots. And we've been having meetings every week. And, and really about all we do is we just meet and talk about how bad things are. And, 
and there's really nothing left for us to do. You know, we tried to help the restaurants in Portales when the state police were closing them down and stuff. And, and she's pretty emotional by now, you know. Mm-hmm. And she said, we were actually going to, this next Tuesday, Tuesday is going to be our last meeting. We're going to go ahead and disband our little group because there's nothing we can do. She said, can you get me that, that paperwork by Tuesday? I said, ma'am, I have it to you in a couple hours. And then she starts kind of clearing up and she's getting louder, which is more, more her normal. I've, I've learned now she's really a cool lady. Anyway, she says, you know what? I'm going to present this to the group and we're going to do this and we're not going to disband our organization. We're going to do this and we're going to fight. And, you know, and you can yeah. well imagine how the conversation went then. <laughs> anyway, I got her the petition, and everything. The next Wednesday morning, she called and she said, we got a fair in a couple of weeks. We're going to get enough signatures. We're not, our organization's not going to disband. We're going to keep fighting. This gives us hope, you know? Mm. And I learned right then and there that, that everybody wants to fight. They just absolutely, nobody had any idea how yeah. this, these are unprecedented times. Anyway, I felt pretty good about that. And a few days later, I get a call from a lady there and not in Roosevelt County and, and they're talking about joining the uh joining Floyd schools because in the meantime Floyd schools school board had yeah. gotten fired yeah 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 we anyway the yeah. public education department and, and the parents in Portales were wanting to join Floyd and say we're going to stand up for our kids we're going to have our own our own guidelines our own mass mandates they're going to be optional they were wanting the school board to do this well Leon which is the the head school board guy a lot a lot to that story there leon very intelligent very intelligent guy i can read him a statute or something or whatever man he picks up on it quick we had a lot of conversations about what the state was going to do and how they would be able to do it and various different things well the day the school board got fired i heard heard on the news that that the ped fired the school board and I just texted him. I said, I, I guess the PED exercise option E, huh? He <laughs> me, oh, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, so I go to Portales. I'm going to speak at their, at their school board meeting. Well, their school board, a lot of the parents got up and talked and everything. And they were talking about standing up as Americans and great people in Portales and good, hardworking family people. You know, some of the, the women would get up and talk and they would get kind of emotional. You know, hey, we need to. We need to control our kids' education. What's going on been wrong? What they did, you know, everybody, great bunch of people. This room would fit. This room was made for about 80 people, and there was 81 in it, you know. Anyway, everybody got up talking. It was real professional. Well, a lot of emotion, you know, people, you know, hey, we need to stand up for our rights. It didn't take me long to figure out this isn't just about mass mandates. This is about our way of life. Yeah. And. And, and, you know, I knew this all along, but this particular meeting, it really drove the point home. I driven, I got off work, drove up there, you know, cleaned up, got there and spoke a little bit, you know, and explained some statutes to some people that were there close to me and stuff. And, and people, you know, they had their prepared statements and they said stuff and they were very convincing, very, very real, very real. Some of the ladies would cry and stuff, but, you know, hey, we, we want to control the education of our kids. We don't want them wearing masks. You know, this is about our freedom. You know, what are we teaching our kids? All that stuff. Anyway, when it comes time to vote, obviously the school board voted like we figured. Only one of them voted to to buck the PED's mandates. The rest of them voted to just go along with the 
public education department because they were scared. Well, I turned around and I looked. I was standing up there next to Leon, and he told me that was what was going to happen because he knew those people on the school board. And I turned around and I looked at some of the people and some of the people that I've been involved with. And man, just the look on their face, it was just it was just sheer defeat. And it was it was like the moment in their life that they realized that they really didn't have any control. And we were living in some some pretty sad times. Anyway, nobody really got mad or anything. Everybody just kind of started, you know, migrating out of the out of the little auditorium deal there, you know, and, and obviously they were upset and you know, I, I was mad. I didn't say much, you know, to anybody, but just look on those people's face. It really bothered me. And it actually, it bothers me to this day. Anyway, I had to leave kind of early. I talked to a few of them, you know, and they shook my hands for coming. I said, I sorry, I couldn't help, you know, blah, blah, blah. Well, just total defeat, you know, just, it, it, it was disgusting. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so I drove home. By the time I got home, you know, I felt a little bit better about it. Well, anyway, a couple of days later, Miss Stanford calls and she says, Hey, I got enough signatures. I said, the, the file it? She said, yeah. I said, I told her what to do and everything. So I typed up our specific claims. I said, I'll be down there. Thir-. She said, what day can you be here? I said, I can be down there uh, Thursday or Friday. She said, let's do it Thursday. I said, okay. Anyway, so that Thursday morning I get up, you know, and I have all my stuff. And I <laughs> tell her what she needs copies of. And I drive to Portales and I get there to the courthouse. And people start coming out of the parking lot and stuff. And a lot of them had their red T-shirts on. It said, you know, Roosevelt County Patriots. And, you know, of course, mm-hmm. we stood in a circle and prayed and, and that whole deal. But a lot of those people that I saw that were there and everybody smiling and happy and, and feeling pretty good, you know. And a lot of those were the same people that I've seen in that school board meeting. Yeah. But yeah. now, you know, now we're on the offensive. You know, now we're going to go in there and we're going to file this citizen's petition and so they all followed me up there. Me and Miss Stanford had to go up, you know, to the counter of ourselves, you know, because of the COVID thing and all that. Yeah. And people watching. And, and I'm not big on pictures, but people taking pictures and stuff. So I tolerated all that. But anyway, <laughs> yeah. that, that's that's the kind of stuff that, I, that I've got to see in this deal. But anyway, Roosevelt County, good, solid bunch of people. They're fighting back. I think they're I think they're going through the, the verification process. But more than anything, the citizens petition gives people hope. About two weeks later, I got to go do the curry county one but so far the roosevelt well the lee county one was actually my favorite because it actually freaked everybody out when i showed up there (laughs) (laughs) but the roosevelt county one was really cool you know miss standifer and and with with what they had been through in that county with the floyd and and their school board and and you know they were going to disband and the state police shutting down the restaurants and i felt really good about that and and those people they're they're solid bunch of people when you give them when they know what to do, they're going to get it done. Is there some? Is there? Are there specifics with their petition that uh, bring uh, that brings up this this PED overstep in Floyd, or is it kind of general like boiler boilerplate per county? Okay, uh, right. You see, the the PED is actually what what me or you would call piggyback, and that's not the legal term. They're piggybacking on the on the public health emergency. Okay. Right now, the entire state of New Mexico they they think they've got free reign to do whatever the hell they want because the governor keeps renewing. Yeah. These actually, the certain aspects of the, yeah, the public health order. Yeah. The public health emergency when in reality, she doesn't have the authority to extend it. She only has the authority to renew it. And, and, and one of my arguments, and it's, it's a factual argument. She actually only has the authority to 
to renew at one time. There's a difference in renewal and extension. There's a big difference in renewal and extension. And then you're going to get into the definitions of what actually is a public health emergency, what's the definition of a communicable disease, and you get into some real technical legal arguments. But I promise you, I guarantee you, when I get into court, I'm going to whip their butts because I've got the law behind me, and I've got obviously thousands of the citizens of the state of New Mexico. Anyway, the citizens petition for grand jury, it is filed in five separate counties right now. Right now, I've got enough signatures in Quay County, uh, Lee County, and I heard from Los Alamos County Friday night, which made it pretty pretty good huh. deal. We have yeah. enough signatures in Los Alamos County. That's Luna a big County, deal. like I said, I've had three different, four different people contact me about being the sponsor in Luna County. I also have a second citizen's petition for grand jury against the leadership of our legislature. Good. This is actually going to be the first one that I filed, but I decided we needed to go after the governor more. But Donna Anna County, and after this week, Lee County is going to be circulating one that's going to bring into investigation our legislature, in particular our leadership of our legislature, for basically abdicating their 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 job, yeah, basically, and just letting the governor run run them up. So what they do you think? Basically, of- left us hanging. So what do you think about the suit that was filed by uh, Senator Candelaria and, and, and Baca about the governor's basically taking the emergency money that she got from the federal government in the form of like this COVID money and like spending it as she saw fit and them not them fighting like hell to make sure that it, to bring that bring the administration in check so that they have input into what she spends it on? If, you know, hey, um, what do you think about those things? Have you have you reached out to them? Have you heard about that and stuff like that? Being that you're going to file this petition against the legislature as well. Okay, I have I have heard a little bit about that, and I've researched a little bit about it. Now, the beauty of a, of a grand jury, the timing of that is almost perfect. If we can go ahead and have a court convene a grand jury, a grand jury can actually investigate anything they want to yeah. once the grand yeah, jury is convened. Right. Another advantage that we have in New Mexico is, let's say that that uh, Lee County, let's say that I have reason to believe they're going to convene a grand jury by the end of the week. I can actually add claims to that. I can add claims myself to that until the grand jury is actually convened. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, we've got some some voter voter fraud stuff that could possibly be added. We've got this stuff that you're talking about that could possibly add, be added by us or the grand jury themselves can bring that up. Hmm. Every one of these grand juries is actually going to have the authority if they see fit to order a forensic investigation of the entire election. <laughs> so now, this, I mean, on its face, this seems like a great thing. I mean, I can see why you're excited. It does seem exciting. Um, the number that I'd heard, it was 23 counties had joined in. Is 20, that still... Actually, with with Luna County, I've got 27. Okay. Okay, so you're getting close to the 33. What are the holdouts on that? Or or is there there holdouts? we Dare we say, there we, I, I can name two of them off the top of my head. Oh, actually, Bernalillo, Bernalillo was one of the first counties that joined. Really? Yeah, Legacy Church. Legacy ah, Church. There we go. Okay, you know, so and, and I am Pope so proud of Legacy in. Church. We we've got 
we've actually got a couple churches in New Mexico, three that have really been supportive. All right. Where the other churches are at, I don't know, but that's between them and God. You know, yeah. that yeah. that's between them and Jesus himself. I'm a little frustrated with the preachers, and I'm not going to go off on that. You know, I, there is a, a preacher out of, uh, he's actually out of Muleshoe, a guy named Steve Frisco. He, uh, I talk to him a lot. When I get frustrated, I talk to him. He's, he's a lot of wisdom there, and a lot of, obviously, he's a godly, a godly man. And he has to tolerate my filthy mouth he's sometimes, weird. and I'm sorry for that. Is he weird? Is he weird? Yeah. No, no, he he's a good dude. He's, well, he's, no, I've always I've always found that weird preachers are usually the best ones. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and he maybe I've never met him in purpose, but I talked to him. I was frustrated one day because I couldn't get churches to let us go present this stuff, and he said, he said, Led, he said, you need to. And I, I read him some scripture about you know what God you know read Revelations, I think it's twenty verse eight, whatever. It talks about cowards. And people that are that are cowards, God, I mean, read that. It was, it was scary. God lumps cowards in with, with fornicators and rapists and all kinds of stuff. If somebody's scared of perse- persecution, then actually they're in actually yeah. according to the Bible, they are a coward. You but can't anyway, comply that, way out of any of this stuff. Yeah, you can't comply hard. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Anyway, he, he told me, I said, well, do I need to bring this up? He said, Lady said, you don't need to be telling the preachers anything about the Bible. I guarantee you they know the Bible and they know it better than you do. He said, a coward's a coward and there's nothing you can do about it. He <laughs> said, you just do what you can. He said, there's going to be plenty of people behind you on this deal. He said, I know kind of how this got originated. I know I know the, the course you took to get here. I believe this is ordered of God, and it is. You know, a, a whole lot of things had to happen for me to, to, to be at this place right now in my life. The citizens' petition, the county-by-county county deal, the whole deal. Anyway, enough about all that. There are two church. There's three churches. I got a church in Clovis, Farrell DeFore, the pastor there. He's actually the sponsor of the Curry County petition. His church is behind it, uh, Church on the Move here in Roswell. Uh, they they let us actually go into church and, and gather up signatures to put us over the top so we had enough signatures to file it in Roswell. And then obviously Legacy Church and Carlsbad and all their different campuses. They've already got a couple thousand signatures already gathered up. Obviously, that's going to be a, a, a tough one to, to finish up, but I'm real proud of those guys. Really, really. And, and I'm thankful for them too. So, And I believe other churches are going to join in as, as they learn about it. To answer your question a while ago is what's the holdup in the other counties? Is yeah, a lot which of the ones are they here. so the people know? Uh, you know, that's yeah, kinda... yeah, is is letting is letting the people know. And like I said, I'm I'm not a, a big look at me, look at me kind of guy. You know, when I got the concerned citizens for New Mexico involved, actually I called Christina one day, the lady mm-hmm. you were talking yeah. about. I said, Christina, I told her about this deal. Christina's is She's had actually a ringside view to most of my crap. She's watched me get my ass handed to me in court quite a bit. So <laughs> she, she's actually one of my one of my biggest supporters and why I don't know. But anyway, she I said, hey, who who can actually help me with this? She said, you know, you need to go to Stacy and a concerned citizens for New Mexico. That organization is growing. They're pretty solid. Stacy Walkowitz is the lady that runs it. You know, she's real organized. She's going to help you. Well, now I've got Christina. And Stacy kind of helped me organize the statewide thing because once I got past four counties, as you could well imagine, I was overwhelmed. <laughs> but anyway, they're organizing me, so they know a lot about the particular numbers in, in the various different counties and stuff. 
But that's how that has been the holdup is actually my ability to get the word out. Deals like this, I think, are going to help a lot. Having you guys on, having you guys on on board, is is going to help a lot. Ah, uh, you know, I see, a, I saw a comment about Jesse there. Jesse's a big supporter. Jesse James, he'd be upset if I didn't mention his name. Jesse don't mind being the. the oh, he likes to be that guy. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> Does he have a I call TikTok him Tom account? Jones. <laughs> he needs a TikTok account. Sounds like. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, we've got we've got a lot of support statewide on the citizens' petition for grand jury. But one thing I do need to bring up is this week, and I mentioned that in our little pre our pre our pre interview yeah, witty, witty banter, our little yes. witty banter deal there. Yes. That's what you call that. Anyway, <laughs> uh, the judge, one of the judges, told Senator Gallegos that this this was just one of five hundred cases that he had. He would be able to convene a grand jury at his discretion. Well, as you can well imagine, if you know Senator Gallegos, that wasn't good enough. So uh, we're we're gonna we're asking people we're gonna be asking people during the week to uh, to apply some citizen pressure on the court system to go ahead and convene a grand jury. We're gonna we'll start a telephone campaign. I want to do some newspaper stuff. Whatever we have to do to convince the court that the citizens of of your county have told you to convene a damn grand jury. Now you convene the damn grand jury. Yeah. It's as, it's as simple as that. This, yeah, this is that critical. So where can New Mexicans contact, uh, contact, uh, lend support for this? Um, yeah, I guess also like we would probably, well, we'd like you to name the counties that are holding out. Okay. Right now, Lee County, if you guys will contact the judge in Lee County, judge stone contact, try to get his secretary's number direct. You know, the, like I said, the clerks, the clerks, the court clerks, they really don't have the judge's ears. There's typically a phone number that you can call that goes directly to the judge's office, and he usually has an assistant or a secretary. That would be the best way. We got Lee, we got Lee County, Eddie County, and Chavez County that we want to start this in. Now, Miss Standifer over in Roosevelt and Mr. and Farrell, Pastor DeFore, over there in Curry County, they're probably going to start one in Roosevelt County next week. But 30 days of having the petition and then having a few days for the county clerk to verify the signatures is plenty of time. You know, we filed the first of these on September 3rd, and we still don't have a grand jury convened, but they've had enough time. I do agree the courts are full and we've got all that crap, but bottom line mm -hmm. is when your boss tells you to do something, you do it. Yeah. And I don't get a rest. That's what anybody says. The citizens of the county are the boss of that judge. He may argue with me, but he'll lose that argument as well. Sure. Anyway, that's that's where we need to go. That is the only holdup right now is we're waiting for the judges. The the uh, signatures, actually, it only took that county clerk two days to verify those signatures. Yeah. The, edit, the Chavez County clerk, she called or as near as I can figure out, and I can't tell you all my resources, my sources there, because grand jury stuff's supposed to be secret. But anyway, that office, I happen to know that they're real close to having the signatures verified. If they they should have had it Friday, if not, they're gonna have it done by tomorrow, by Monday. Anyway, so all that being said, the signatures are being verified. We're moving forward. We're moving forward in several counties. We have three more counties to go. Do you have any more questions about the citizens' petition for grand jury? Well, I guess, you know, really, really where we're at on that is just where can people contact you if they've got questions about that, if they want to get involved? 
you know, where do they need to go to gain resources? You mentioned a few other people that are involved in it. Uh, yeah. I don't know if it would make sense for people to contact them. I, you know, I honestly don't know if anything's going on here in San Juan County where I'm at or not. I haven't heard anything to that effect. So I know that there's people out there that are going to have questions about this. So it'd be good for them to have an easy place to go to try to find those resources. To become okay, Stacy actually got us an email address set up specifically for Great. this. And obviously, you know, you can contact Pablo Martinez and, and people like that. Any of the activist groups are actually really getting involved in this. But the uh, the email address that, that Stacy set up is citizens citizens petition it's citizens petition with an s at protonmail.com perfect now the c is actually capitalized so it's citizens petition at protonmail.com or you could go to any of the the citizens for new mexico there there's different counties that have those but citizens for new mexico they're their facebook or or mm -hmm. whatever we've got a one of my big supporters now she's really she's really a stout gal y'all probably know of her is you've got uh, Sarah Smith over in Donna Anna County. She's kind of she's she's kind of taking this under wing. She's involved in several different organizations. A lot of people know Sarah over there in Donna Anna County. We've got uh, like I said, Pablo Martinez. Now Christina mm -hmm. and Stacy actually have spe specific people in each region that are kind of that are kind of running that. Yeah, yeah, kind of running that. Miss Vasquez is that Susanna Vasquez there in Albuquerque. I believe it might just be real rancher. I'm not sure exactly where she lives, but the uh, Miss Vasquez, she's been real active on this. You know, she's had a lot on her plate and stuff and, and she was involved in that. What's that bar and grill that, that. Yeah. That, yeah. Yeah. Backstreet. Yeah. Backstreet. Yeah. Backstreet bar and grill. That, that was actually a, a pretty serious blow to her because those people were good friends of hers. Yeah. She yeah. she she's a ball of fire. I, I heard her speak one time. She mm -hmm. scared me, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Very flat around her. <laughs> she's, she's a great lady. I'd hate to make her mad. I wouldn't want to be the governor. <laughs> but anyway, she's a great lady. I'm telling you, New Mexico has got some real solid people. And and people are waking up. And now now that people know what they can do, and and you know, there are there are remedies to what's going on. I'm really impressed with, with a lot of the people. We have a long ways to go, though. We did fall asleep. I've been one, one of the ones that was asleep, I'll be honest with you. You know, we talked about, you know, the condition of my business and, and how it's pretty well just, you know, it's barely even a business right mm -hmm. now. I honestly don't believe that if my business were still up and running good and everything, that I would have had the time. And I don't know that I would have. I, I would like to think that I would fight this hard but I don't know that I would have. So in reality, the circumstances I am, or, you know, in the end is going to be a blessing. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to look back and say, you know, I'm, I'm glad all that shit happened. I can rebuild my business anytime, but I can't rebuild my country. You know, I, and I can't rebuild my, I can't rebuild my business until we get a handle on our, on our, on our country. Now I do have a couple other projects going on. We we spent a lot of time talking here. You guys are probably mad at me because I oh God. hey no I'm no just... it was it was necessary and needed. <laughs> okay, anyway that that's the grand jury deal. Get a hold of uh any like I said any of the citizens for New Mexico or or get on that email address. Uh, you know get and you guys know a lot of the people I know. You know Pablo Martinez, Senator mm -hmm. Gallegos. He's been really good on this. The Republican Party in specific counties has, they have put out 
a statement of support, but they know that we do not want to make this a political thing. And they've been pretty good about that. They say, even though it's not our deal, we appreciate the citizens doing that. Sure. And I appreciate that because, you know, regardless of what we think that that does add legitimacy in the eyes of some people. Now, obviously there's been a few attorneys that try to poo poo this process, but by now they're, they're gone because we've gone far enough now that people know it is a legitimate process. I promise you, if this was not legitimate, the courts would already have done away with it. You guys have seen how fast <laughs> they, 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 they probably do. use any excuse to get rid of you sometimes. I would exactly. They, they do that. Now I'm, I've been working on a couple of other projects, obviously. And I touched on this a little bit earlier, New Mexico, another, another provision that, that of our constitution is the, uh, the referendum, the ability for the, for the citizens to, to put up for a vote any most laws that are made in the legislature. There are some exemptions. Me and the secretary of state just got through with one of those deals and the Supreme court handed me my butt on that one, but you know, they made a wrong decision, but I'll figure out, I'll figure something out on that one. The other issue I have is, is in New Mexico and, and is okay. If I bring up the criminal complaint, please do go for it. Okay. In New Mexico, let me, let me, I need to say this exactly right because we've probably got some law type people here. Mm-hmm. Anyway, anyway, in the state of New Mexico, we have is what's called a public policy regarding communism. It's a set of statutes that were made in 1951. It's 12-4-1 through 3, okay? And the law specifically says that it's illegal to be a supporter or advocate of communist doctrine and be unknown, which what that means is, is you have to register with, with the secretary of state as, as an advocate or supporter of communist doctrine, or you're in violation of the law, which in reality is a felony, according to this set of laws. <laughs> now I filed a criminal complaint. I originally filed this in Chavez County a couple of weeks ago, but I've since decided to pursue it as a fifth judicial district action. And I have sent a criminal complaint to the sheriff in Eddy County, Chavez County and Lee County. Each one of those sheriffs got a criminal complaint for me with a statement in support that spelled out what the law was. And they had a citizen filing a criminal complaint against the Democrat party that they're supporting, they're supporting and advocating communist doctrine and they're not registered with the state of New Mexico to be known as, as an entity that supports or advocates communist doctrine. Now, my thoughts are, and people are asking me, I did talk to one sheriff. I initially filed this in Chavez County, but it seemed like it was going to be maybe a bit too much for one sheriff to handle by himself okay. coming up for reelection and that sort of thing, which, I never consider that stuff because I honestly believe our nation is more critical than the election of a single person. But yeah, that, let's that's face it. A lot of people that are in office right now aren't very concerned with elections either. And that's part yeah. of the problem. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, anyway, so what I decided to do, like I said, I, I, I talked to this particular sheriff about it when I presented it to him first, he looked it up. He said, yeah, legitimately the, this is still a law in the state of New Mexico. And, and I'm not really trying to accuse anybody of being a communist. They can do whatever the hell. It's actually not illegal to be a communist in the United States. But in the state of New Mexico, 
if you're going to promote or if you're going to advocate or support communist doctrine, you have to be registered as a supporter advocate of communist doctrine. It's as simple as that. It is the law. What this looks like, what I, what I would like to happen is I would like the sheriff to call me. I could explain it to him. I did put a statement in there when I filed the criminal complaint that spelled out the laws, the specific doctrines of communism. There again, we're going as applied and on its face. Some of the stuff that's been done during the public health emergency and other issues relative to the oil and gas using the uh, environmental crap, you know, the, the mm -hmm. climate change and those yeah. things. All that's the same deal. It, you know, I honestly believe the environmentalists are upset at the people that came up with all of the, the regulations in the Department of Health because COVID got those people farther in two years than climate change got them in the last two or three decades. Yeah. Well, we, we are having a climate change summit in New Mexico, uh, I think tomorrow and the next day. I honestly believe what's going to come out of that summit at some point we're going to be seeing public health emergencies related to climate change. Oh, 100%. Yeah. yeah. I can, no, I can already much. kind yeah. of see that coming. Well, I mean, Klaus Schwab has talked about yeah, that. Right. I mean, so. I mean the methane, I think the methane battle is, has always been one that's, you know, the, you know, pollution around wells, well water or, 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 yeah. you know, they, there are a thousand and one vectors of attack against basically energy, oil and gas Right. That can come out of this and stuff like that. I mean, I, I see this really happening at a county by county level. If you get enough crazies in whatever county you're in where the, the big, big producer or the big employer or even, you know, the, per, you know, the people who are in the, involved in the dirty industries, um, if they deal with any complaint, if there's a if there's a spill, if there's a release, if there's anything, I could see them from a county by county standpoint, it, you know, basically pulling a public health order out of their butt. And having operations basically suspended at any given, I mean, there, there's a thousand and one ways they can do it, but that's how I kind of envision it happening, particularly, when, you know, because they stirred up this methane thing. They've been doing that for years, um, particularly up right. in the four corners, um, you exactly. know, to, trying to be very alarmist about the fact that there was this huge, you know, exp, you know, expelling of methane and these, you know, they're, they're, they're seeing methane from satellite you know, from orbit yeah. satellite uh, spectroscopy. Oh, it's killing people. It's ki public yeah, health they, emergency. They, yeah, they, they, it's the same damn thing they did when they talked about like um, Volkswagen and cheating on emissions that somehow they can connect the fact that they cheated on emissions on these diesel vehicles to deaths. That is a tenuous like chain of like custody when it comes to like, well, just because they failed this, they gamed this one test uh, exposed facto, we killed 7 million people or something stupid like that. And it's just like, I don't know right. how the hell you get there <laughs> from there. And well, it, it goes back. Funny. You're exactly right. And it goes back to the playbook. You know, let, let's, let's make this group of, it's easy to make oil and gas producers, bad, bad actors, actors yeah. to the general public because mm -hmm. you know, hell it's gas is three bucks a gallon. It's his fault. I personally would rather see gasoline at a dollar 75 a gallon and less regulation. Yeah. And that's how the small independent guys are. We would we don't mind getting fifty fifty five dollars a barrel for our crude oil if the regulations aren't choking us. Sure. Crude's up. I think New Mexico our our sour crude's up to eighty two eighty three dollars a barrel. You still can't make any money when you're spending. Oil could be two hundred dollars a barrel right now, and you wouldn't be able to make any money because of the regulatory atmosphere in the state of New Mexico. 
So the oil producers were, were a target. And honestly, I don't know, as an independent oil producer, you know, two years ago, we had like 500, almost 600 oil producers or operators in New Mexico. I think we're down to less than 300 now. And we're not even at, we're not even at the worst part of this deal. You know, what, like you talked about, what's, what's going to come out of that climate change summit, the methane venting and flaring rules, they're just now getting to where they're enforcing those. You know, they're sending up balloons and they're taking pictures of this, that, and the other. Oil and gas is not the biggest producer of methane in the country, not even close. No, but, but see, and, and, I mean, this is, this is what you talk about with bad actors. I mean, they've already convinced a large section of the populace that anybody who doesn't want to wear a muzzle and wants to run their business freely right. is a bad actor. Exactly. So it's not a stretch now for them to start coming after everyone, all these other ways. And again, the goal is to destroy independent small businesses. That's the goal. The corporations benefit right. from all this stuff, whether you're talking about energy corporations or any of the others, Walmart, all of them. Dairy. This, this like is a cattle. global corporate yeah. takeover. And the proof is in the pudding, especially when you talk about the governor. Where's her money coming from? Oh, it yeah. isn't coming from in state. There is no money left in this state. Yep. That's oh, exactly man. right. You're you're exactly right. Well, it goes it goes back to you know not not to whip a dead horse on the communist thing, but communism. The definition of communism is government control of the means of production. Yep, that's where we're headed. You know, you know people use different words. You know, you got the one world order and that and socialism and this that. And, you know, socialism is nothing better. more than than one of the Correct. platforms of communism. Correct. But as far as as where we're headed. To get work to get to get rid of the United States or to get rid of, of what we know is the United States, you're gonna have to get rid of property rights, small businesses, the, what we call the mom and pops or whatever. And you can see it just you know, like I told you at first, you know, it, it didn't take me long to figure out the state of New Mexico was using the stuff they learned against the independent oil producers and started going after restaurants and, and all mm -hmm. the all of the industries in New Mexico. And leaving the big guys alone. If you yeah. have the money, if you have the money to comply with the methane venting and flaring rules and the various different things that they're coming up with now, you're a major company. Yeah. You're huge. Mm -hmm. The medium, the medium, even the, what we would consider large in New Mexico would be considered pretty small nationwide. But even the medium producers can aren't going to be able to afford the regulations. And then now that you have the state land office radicalized as they are. Those people are insane. Yeah. Yeah. No, they're crazy. I mean, the fact of the matter is they don't, they think that we're going to get this green utopia and that somehow <laughs> these renewable sources are going to take, uh, we're going to take the place of the San Juan coal firing plant in the no Northwest or, you know, the oil and gas that you're slowly starting to bleed to death in the North, in the Southeast. Um, you know, they're going after they're going to go after cattle producers as well because they're oh, yeah. big contributors to methane as well. Um, just because you know, you you need to, you know, herd, you know, herd cows and stuff like that. They already hate meat. Um, I've seen I'm gonna see they're gonna do the same thing with the cannabis growers. Say how you feel, you know, it doesn't matter how you feel about that. It's a nascent industry that they're going to basically kill in the crib. I've seen right. what they tried to do. And what they will probably ended up ultimately doing to the brewery industry, which was something pretty homegrown here in New Mexico 15 years ago. Um, 
and now um you know even that's a little bit of a, a of a tall hurdle to get into every nascent industry that they have targeted or don't seem to like they go after and the industries that they tend to follow or they try to lure to this state ultimately require huge subsidies movie industry solar wind you know exactly. uh, they they don't they, they're ignoring you know our our copper mining our uranium mining our coal um, our oil producers, we're, we're sit, we're, we also sit on that Permian Basin, right? Um, or I don't know what the basin's called down south, but I mean, it's, it's the Permian Basin. Okay, it's yeah, we, we, we yeah, 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 we you should got be the San Juan Basin up here, stuff. And then, and then you got the San Juan Basin, which is, which still produces, yeah. right? But let's, right. let's just let's just burn all that to the ground for this green utopia that almost seems evangelical in their approach to rid the world of what we expel carbon. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's gross. It's gross. The, the it's green utopia is is feudalism. Psychopathic. Yeah, no, that's at exactly best. We can talk about communism. We can talk about fascism. We can talk about socialism. But really, what they're talking about is enriching the one percent and turning the rest of us into peasants or serfs. So there's your. We're, we're throwing a lot of black pills here. Sorry that's about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah back. There's, there's positive aspects. Larry, of this. as we as we kind of close this thing out, you know, you've done a lot to fight against all of this stuff. Um, and we have a we have a long ways to go, and I'm not even close to the end of it. We're, so, what what words of admonition do you have for our audience right now? How ad, you admonition? You mean like yeah. encouraging words? Yeah, is that, is that, okay. yeah. Let's we try to end this show on you know somewhat of a high on, note. on a positive yeah. note. Okay, rather than us just sitting there, yeah. Satan controls yeah. everything. Well, <laughs> <laughs> we're going around about that one. <laughs> he, he used to have total control of me, so I'm. <laughs> Back in the day, you know. I, I but anyway, what, what I can say for New Mexico is, is actually we 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 have a great opportunity. In reality, we're going to get on the other side of this thing, and we're going to look at COVID and, and, and the environmental goof, goofballs that we got going now. We're going to get on the other side of this current situation. We're going to win this battle, and we're going to look at it as the opportunity that this generation needed to make amends for basically having their head up their ass for all these years. You know, I got out of high school in 82. There was really no wars or anything for guys my age to fight or whatever. We really didn't get into a war until I was, you know, 2001 in Afghanistan. So I I don't have any military service. But what I will say is, is my generation was asleep at the wheel, to be honest with you. So this is our opportunity to stand up and say no more. You know, we got our grandkids going going to school and they're wearing masks and that infuriates the hell out of me. That should never happen. We had our churches get closed because one little, we had, because Wuhan wanted our churches closed. And then when she opened them, she says, don't sing. You know, that, that that's, that's unacceptable. And I'm simply not going to live like that. And what I have learned is most of the people in the state of New Mexico, Democrat, Republican, independent, whatever, they're not going to live like that either. So what I see is we're going to get on the other side of this and we're going to realize that this was our opportunity to stand up and stand firm and actually to be men about it. You know, I'm not being sexist or all that crap, but to just to be men about it and protect what's ours. You know, God, God did give us a great privilege to be born in the state of New Mexico in the United States of America it's our turn to stand up and, and basically fight for that. Does this fight look different than I ever thought it would? Yes. Yes. I did not think I would ever be 
staying up all night reading law books and talking to you guys on, on podcasts and things like that. I did not know what the fight was going to look like. I thought a fight was a fight where you shoot at each other and do all that stuff. No, this is a different kind of fight. Obviously, there's a spiritual aspect to it. But in reality, the people in New Mexico are waking up. They're catching up. They're figuring out, hey, we're going to have to fight this right now. You guys said it in Christina's, in Christina's blog, actually. One of you guys talked about, let's settle this with ink. If we don't get it settled with ink, it's going to get settled with blood. The way I say that is, is you know, and I've, I've done some interviews. What I like to say or what I do say, I compare this with, this is the heel to die on. We can't give up any more ground. We honestly can't. If we step back and we let the enemy have this heel, we don't have any more things to defend. We're done. And you guys agree with that. I appreciate the fact that I can sit here and talk to you guys. We're like-minded. You know, I, I could talk to you guys all night long and we, we could hammer, hammer things out. You know, for years, most of our lives, you guys have, have heard this, you know, we'll be sitting around drinking coffee or on a back porch, you know, some people have a cold beer at night, whatever. You know, we have these discussions and people say, well, we solved all the world's problems. You know, we yeah. kind of joke about that. But in reality, this nation was built with conversations just like this. Yeah, yeah obviously, they didn't have computers and Internet and stuff like that. But in bar rooms, at restaurants, at, at kitchen tables, dining room tables, whatever, people having conversations, sharing what they believe, what they had in common. You know, obviously, you're not a cowboy fan, but I'm a cowboy fan. But we have other stuff in common. Well, you know, again, I was indoctrinated on that. that. You know, that's actually pretty as were you. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that was a good. You're pretty quick. <laughs> you guys ought to have a show together. Anyway, don't encourage him. This country was actually built with conversations just like this, and that's how we're going to take this country back. This is going to be taken back from from the mom and pop outfits, the the shows like this, the people that you know. I'm not going to let my kids go to school with a mask on. I'm not going to get my kids vaccinated. You know, all of the stuff that people need to stand up for are right in front of us right now. It doesn't look like what we thought it would, an, an attack from an outside enemy, you know, with, with bombs and bullets and all that. This doesn't look anything like that. But for sure, for sure, we are in, in a war. We're definitely in a war. Who can I tell you it's against? I have no idea. I really don't care. All I know is, is that the United States of America was, was designed certain certain ideals. We were, we were created under a certain set of circumstances and ideals, and it's up to us to preserve that. That's the charge for this generation, you guys, me, everybody else. No matter what it costs, it doesn't matter. If we fail at this and we fail our, our kids, our grandkids, and generations to come, we can't do that, and I'm not going to do that. I'm, you know, you hear that that phrase, you know, live free or die. That's, that's not just a phrase. That's not just a slogan. It's not a bumper sticker. It's not a license plate slogan. That's a fact, you know, live free or die. I'm simply not going to live under under the rule of, of Wuhan Grisham or or Joe Biden, which I call Cornholio now. Do you see how he's standing yeah, up? Yeah, yes. The reenactment of the Cornholio, the great Cornholio, Beavis did that. But anyway, that's another story. Well, you know, he needs yeah. TP for his bunghole because it's been wiped, apparently. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Or you might, or there might not be enough TP. So let's go, Brandon. Comes oh, this wow. fall. <laughs> but we we definitely this. We're going to look back in this. We're going to we're going to view this as an opportunity. And once we get out of this, we're going to realize that how how truly how truly blessed we are. I guarantee you, we're never never again going to take 
take for granted a clean election or or just our ability to go outside, you know, because for a while that was taken away from us. We're fighting back. It took us a while, but you know what? We're, we're going to be okay. And I, I appreciate you guys letting me let me ramble on like I have today. And oh no, you are very dense with information. That oh, dude, this was this, this was this was. I mean, yes, you're. Uh, this is up there with the uh, Professor Clements and and the lovely Aaron Clements breaking things down. We need. We want to be able to bring this type of information of not only what the problems are, um, and we thank you for breaking down the anatomy of what you went through that got you to this point. I mean, the oil and gas thing has been the, my big bugaboo for since I started this. And, and we, we appreciate that. We really do. And not a lot of people are going to tell you that because oil and gas guys tend to be kind of quiet and they, they don't make a lot of noise. You know, guys like me, we don't want to be the center of attention. No, that's a lot of it. It's, you know, most people just want to get up, go to work, go home, see their families. It's like you say, yeah. be left alone. Well, you know, things like graduating high school, you know, some of my best memories of life are my senior year of high school. And I know that sounds corny and everything, you know, senior skip day and the parties and all that. Oh, yeah. You know, no, last year, we didn't even have that stuff. Yes. And that's disgusting. I weep yeah. often for the life that my children are missing out on. Yeah. No, my daughter, yeah, my daughter was a senior this past year. And yeah, there was, at the very least, we had some sort of graduation ceremony, which is better than nothing. But, the majority of her senior year and part of her junior year was completely and utter nuked from orbit. She was robbed. She was actually robbed. robbed of those experiences. Those were some of the best experiences of my life and the people, you know, I can see people that I haven't seen for 30 years. You know, I graduated in 82 and I, and I might've saw them at graduation, but you know, there's still a kinship there. There's still a closeness there with the people you graduated with and experienced that part of life with. We robbed our kids of that stuff. You know, my granddaughter, Started kindergarten this year. I, I told Tanner Blue, that's my son. I named him after my dog. That's my youngest son. But anyway, <laughs> I told Tanner Blue, I have four kids, by the way. Two, two. well, my daughter, her name's Randy Lynn. I call her Beaner. I always have and I always will. <laughs> Justin Ray, he's he works for Central Valley Electric. And then Tanner Blue, he's my he's my youngest son. And then Dakota, she, she's my youngest daughter. Uh, four great kids. They're they're they actually are my best friends in the world. You know them, and obviously my wife. We we do pretty good together too. But I'm fortunate that that my kids got older before a lot of this hit. But now my grandkids are in the midst of it, and it, it drives me up a wall. Yeah, I, it's almost to the point I have a hard time looking at them in the eye. If I wasn't fighting as hard as I fight and get up every morning or ever in the middle of the night, you know, three o'clock in the morning studying. Work. I don't know why I wake up at three o'clock, you know, whatever. I wake up and I get to study. It's quiet and I can study. But if I wasn't working this hard and, and then I see guys like you working, working hard, too, I don't know that I'd be able to look my grandkids in the eye. Yeah, I honestly don't. I, it's obviously I couldn't. I would have no right to. But anyway, we'll end up on the top of this thing. I'm, obviously, I'll be watching you guys and your 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 antics. I am I am I'm truly I'm and you know I don't say this a lot. You know, yeah, like I said, I'm a Christian. I'm a you know I, I came to the saving knowledge of Christ. You know, when I was 30, 33 actually. But I will pray for your situation on the on the January sixth deal. Appreciate it. If you need uh you know whatever you need, you know, give me a call. You guys think. I'm sure Chris has my email address or whatever. Yeah. If you know, what whatever I can do, you know, obviously I can't give legal advice. I'm not a lawyer, but 
but I would dearly love to, to delve into that a little bit and let you let you tell your lawyer what he needs to say. <laughs> I don't know who your lawyer is. I hope he's a good one or she. I hope, I hope his reputation precedes himself as well as as his bill. So you know, <laughs> <laughs> at some point, that's what you go with. <laughs> yeah, I'm familiar with him with him law bills. Yeah, <laughs> holy mackerel. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, like I said. I guess to close this out, I, I do appreciate you guys. I appreciate what you've done. I, I truly do, I, I, and I'm sincere about that. I'm sincere, sincere when I tell you I appreciate you guys letting me, letting me get on here and talk. Obviously, as you can tell, I'm not really used to, to, to the spotlight or whatever. I really don't much care for it. But what I will say is, is guys like you are, you're good at it. I appreciate you getting me to share. You know, I got to share your stage with you for a little bit. I'm confident you're going to carry my message on to wherever it needs to be carried, and you're going to do some good with it. And then I can continue to study and follow whatever crazy shit I come up with. <laughs> trying to get well, now the, the communist, the criminal communist thing. That's probably going to make kind of going to kind of make an explosion, and it's going to piss some people off. But that's okay. You know, I, I don't. That's, I think I think the term that gets used sometimes in relation to all this is good trouble. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. You know, so, that's that's what needs to happen. Baca, what are you doing back there? You having you asleep? No, I've that was a couple of gut punches. I'm not feeling motivated enough about fighting commies. I feel no. like, <laughs> like I feel like I haven't done my part now. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I think we were I think we show were speaking isn't... some French on this show. You know, get your shit together, Baca. <laughs> yeah. or, or or maybe you could call one of the sheriffs in Eddie Chavez or Lee County and say, "Hey, what are you doing with Marker's criminal complaint?" There you go. <laughs> yeah. Well, He's I certainly. Getting... Yeah, sorry go about ahead. that. There, go ahead. No, I just, I just, I feel like, yeah. After listening to you talk, now we gotta. I feel like this show has been an obligation, even if I hate running it sometimes. <laughs> and there's a reason. And there's a reason to poke f- freaking people. Sunday, trying not to cuss. Yeah. Did did yeah. he tell you about he texted me? I get this text message one day. It was from Chris. Uh-huh. And I didn't know who it was from. The 505 <laughs> stuff, I get pretty nervous about 505. Remember, I was telling you earlier. I get, about over, I get nervous over every well, number. Used to when I get a 505 call, I'd get a knot in my stomach because it was the OCD telling me some bullshit. Uh, nice. but anyway, I, I see this 505 text that says, Is this Larry Marker? And I'm thinking, I don't know. You know what? <laughs> what do I not if you're from Luhan Grisham's camp. So I'm not. Guy, not if Larry Marker's in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The is over there. Not wanted. He didn't want to identify himself. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> I keep thinking Department of Health is going to start just showing up at our doors yeah. in black boots with needles, with needles and dragging us off to FEMA camps and throwing our kids in re-education. Actually, actually, guys, actually, the the citizens petition for grand jury, like I said, it's my part of it is mainly focused on her, on Wuhan's abuse of her authority. But the problem with this public health emergency is the provisions in that are actually, actually really scary. Under a public health emergency, under the declaration of a public health emergency, the state of New Mexico has the authority and this is bullshit and it's illegal, but the state of New Mexico has the authority to vaccinate your kids under 18 without your permission. 
forcible yeah. inoculations, dragged off to FEMA camps. Yeah, all that's technically I, legal on some level. I think before you said that, thank you, Mr. Marker, Led, if I may, uh, because I'm sure that some people might be watching this thing. Here goes fucking Chris Baca again, talking some science fiction shit. No, like that's why I, I'm saying I'm nervous about it. It could actually happen, and people yeah. don't care, man. I, I've got I've got a, one of the one of the tenets of, of communist doctrine. That's one of the the many tenants that I listed in my statement is population control. Mm. Well, in, in 2021, I can't believe nobody really noticed that or didn't make a big deal. When they repealed the ban on abortion in 2021, there were, like I said, there's, there's three parts of that law that were repealed. Well, one part of that law in the state of New Mexico, we actually had a law that said it was passed in 1969. I have that session law book too. It was passed in 1969 law that said it was illegal to force an unconsenting woman to have an abortion. It's no longer illegal in New Mexico to force an unconsenting woman to have an abortion. That's insane. That Just is the, insane. The language it? is insane. It is. If it's that, not insane, it's outright evil. It, right? yeah. That's fucking I weird. Mean, we're over two hours, and it feels like we're going to start talking about Moloch if we keep going. I'm having a cigarette. This is where we end up every time is back to. All right. Well, let's do time. our shameless plugs and get us out of here, Baca. Okay. First things first. For my, anybody uh, who's still listening, go buy a glowy box thingy. Do it. People are listening. We got seven. That's glowy box thingy. <laughs> what Bien is a glowy box thing? Well, I'm glad you asked, Larry. <laughs> <laughs> I, actually, we better hurry because I got to pee again. It's buy one. Find out. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And uh, it's a glowing we, box. And we appreciate you. Talk about a shameless plug. Yeah. 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 Hey. Uh, we'll go somehow, baby. Yeah. I, I'd, I'd like to remind anybody. You know, I'm I'm thankful for those of you that have given to my funds and the things that I do. It really does mean all the world to me. I don't know how much longer I'm going to keep being able to do anything. That's honest. So, I've enjoyed my time. Love you guys. Keep fighting. And we'll keep trying. Uh, love you guys too. I'll see y'all later. Yeah, I'm gonna sit here until y'all tell me it's time to go. All I right. On that note, oh wait, wait. Some point. October 31st, we have Danny Katz coming. We on. do have Halloween. Katz. She's great. And so check it out. She's a journalist from San. Local Bay? journalist. Been involved in a lot of things. Um, just a really intelligent woman. Yeah. So yeah. look forward. We'll, to that we'll be looking forward to that. Guys, I think we're good. I think we're All good. Right. Roll Thanks. us out, Baca. Uh, where is it? There we. Go.